0: Deep in the heart of Appalachia, guys set out on a quest to create the greatest podcast. i uh, sorry,
1: dude. I uh, thought we agreed on the correct pronunciation of Appalachia.
0: No, dude. We, we've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over and over. It's it's pronounced Appalachia. Listen, freaking angels and the women got together. That's how we got Bigfoot. That's how we got vampires. That's why we got all of this stuff. These... Ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. There's old entities here. When you start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you.
1: Good Lord, sir. <laughs> this goose has gone rabbit. And you think you're just going to run up with your little sword on the king of the Goose Squad?
0: Listen, the old entities of Middle Appalachia. Are unexplainable. Mm. They are eerie. Breach. And they are one of these things that will keep us, the hill folks, and the people who
2: live in the area constantly searching for answers mm. that they probably will never, ever find. And this is why we love Appalachian Intelligence.
0: Hello, folks, and welcome back to Appalachian Intelligence. Uh, your host, as always, Justin Kaiser, Ryan Ratliff. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back for another episode. We hope you enjoyed the last one. Um, today, we have a super special treat for y'all. Um, we have a special guest on with us today.
1: And we're not uh, this- bullshitting this time, by the way. Come on.
2: <laughs> this guy. People are going to think you have a famous person on. They're going to look you up and be like, that guy's not famous. No, he's, he's famous. This, this guy, let
0: me tell you how famous he is. This is the dean of the Snow Leopard Wilderness Institute, the Pepper for Your Steak podcaster, the modern-day classical composer of EDM, and the curator of the Museum of Weird History. Maverick Matthews, everybody. Maverick, how's it going, buddy?
2: Dude, you may have given me a better introduction than I've ever given myself. Uh, good, good. I'm sure you've seen my a little bit of my work. That's how we found each other. And you could tell, like that is one thing that happens on every show. I get to the part they're like, "Hey, what are you?" And I'm like, uh, that, that's a really hard crux." And I'm okay with it now because I actually have my own definition, and I want to talk about it a little bit. If you're game with that, yeah, absolutely. But I want to tell you, you just flattered the shit out of me, and I'm going to have to re-listen to that and write that down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, Maverick, uh, before you build him up too much, he was sitting at lunch today. We worked together and practicing that very thing.
2: So he didn't pull out of his eye. I'm yeah. flattered. I'm flattered yeah. because you made me, you know, this is something that my sister-in-law once said to me. I was working on a resume for something and she goes, did you really can do all these things? And I was like, yes, this is, this is completely true. And she goes, you look incredible on paper. You're such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> She wasn't wrong. You know, like we, we go through phases where we're not the best people. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It uh, doesn't always affect the resume, though. Well, but if, when, you, when you strip it of all the emotion and you just write the words down and you're like, well, I actually can pull this shit off. You know, Th- that's, that's, that does feel pretty good, but it never feels like it in the time. You know, I worked in Hollywood for a decade and uh, did some cool shows and stuff, met a lot of A-listers, had a great time but it never felt glamorous when you were doing it. It felt like you were digging a ditch because you usually were <laughs> of some kind, unless you're the, the guy in front of the camera and I got to be that a handful of times. But yeah. Anyway, I just call myself a philosopher now because I love that word and I, I'm kind of mentored by the spirit of, I don't mean that like rock and crystal. Like He's right here. I just mean like the spirit of uh, of Pythagoras. And he was the guy who coined this phrase. And, and now to call yourself a philosopher, people go, I don't want to do that because it makes me sound pretentious. But that means that people don't know the meaning of the word. Yeah. The word philosopher is philo-sophia. Philo means love of. Everyone knows that word now because it's a constant modern narrative, unfortunately. Why is it that that is the thing that's popularized with love of in the Latin phrase? I don't know. That's creepy. I'm even, I haven't even said it. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> philos- Means love of, and Sophia is knowledge. Love of knowledge. It's just that's what we're doing right here, all three of us. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody yeah. listening, and everybody you're going to grow this suit we're all philosophers. So that's the most, that's, that's a good way to put. Introduction it. any guest has ever done. But that is uh, I'm that giving is. a different product here, people.
0: I love it, man. I love it. Um, before we get cranked in here, I mean we have a, a an awesome topic to get into today. Um, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I was really excited about it when you know I heard you do it on a, a previous episode of a podcast that I was listening to. Um, of course, that's why I reached out to you because you know I was just I was hanging on every word that was going on with with this with this certain topic. Uh, but before we get into that, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, a little bit about what you do
2: other than being a philosopher, um, of course. Well, I'm just in love with learning things. Okay. And so like, I've, I have some hobbies that have turned into professional pursuits because I just did them for so long and I chipped away at them. And it was really actually not a recommended path because what happens is if you don't focus on one thing and get good at it and then get a revenue stream and build a life around it, then you can, then you if you work on too many things, you become flooded. And I kind of did that for a while in my twenties and thirties. And I really hit my stride like when I was like 35, I guess, late. Um, a lot of challenging things, but that had just happened in media and in Hollywood. And I got to work on some really cool projects and shows. I was basically an artist there and like a fixer, a guy who would go do weird, strange jobs on sets and that no one else wanted to do essentially. Uh, <laughs> like put boats up in trees or drive trucks from Los Angeles to New York, you know, in two days, like last like right now, like, can you leave right now? Like, you know, fixing weird problems, you know, Um, just being dynamic. And so i brought that to my podcast, which is called pepper for your steak. And I have a website, maverickmatthews.com. And if you want to learn about me, go there. It's a weird experience. It's meant to be avant-garde. Don't take it too seriously. You and I were talking about this the other day. I hate the idea of even being on the internet, you know. But I want I want to be there as a contribution, and so I am there, but it's reluctant, you know. Um, Yeah, it's just the times we live in. Absolutely, that's my little little craft into the matrix.
0: Well, it's great, man. It's great, and I think, you know, I don't particularly enjoy the whole internet part of it either. I mean, I. Obviously, you know, when we started this podcast, um, I've been trying to push it in different places and, you know, just to kind of get it out there and, and get people to to step in and listen, you know, just to, to hear um, a little different take and a little different side of things that that you're not going to hear, you know, in your day to day conversations. Um, you're, you're usually not going to hear sitting around the dinner table with your family and you're most definitely not going to hear it when you turn on your mainstream media. Uh, And and taking in all this garbage that's coming from that all day, every day. Um, But I'm like you in in that regard. If I could just meet with each of these people individually and sit down and have these conversations, dude, that's what I would do. Uh,
2: That's what I would do. That that is exactly why I went to Hollywood. You know, I talked about how I had a little success there. But the reason I went there was because at the time, and this was kind of true, I perceived there to be a conversation going on there that I wanted to partake in. And it was happening between like Willie Nelson and, you know, all these like fringe people who were having this like, you know, Hunter Thompson and, uh, you know, all these fringe people were having this discussion I wanted to be a part of. And now it's evolved into this. Yeah. It's not in Hollywood anymore. And that's why we're here.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right, man. You are exactly right. That makes a lot of sense.
1: And I would rather be putting stuff like this out on the internet. But to me, social media is the root of all evil. When it first, you know, Facebook and all that came out, I thought, great way to keep up with my old military buddies, friends from high school. But it just turned into basically small town people sticking their nose where it doesn't belong and fighting constantly. I have a Facebook account, but it's only to keep messenger going so I can message my buddies and that's it. That's
2: it got corrupted. Like everything else gets corrupted, you know, actually started out. I don't, I don't even know if it started out with good detentions. I think it was just data bingo. I think it started to mine data, you know, I believe Run. that it started
0: out as a CIA initiative. Uh,
2: well, there's evidence for this. Lockstep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch I mean, you
1: Maverick.
2: All you have to do is oh, trace no. the money, man. All you have to do is trace the money. Just see where the funding came to start all that stuff. Where did he That's start it. the company with? That's, That's all it. you have to do. And we don't want to get too far down this hole because we got a different no, direction to no, go in. we got, we got, yeah. a, <laughs> a, we got a really fun direction. But, but it's important. Point. It's important, you know. I want to tie this into modern times. It's one of the things I like to do with these history ones because ultimately people go, why should I care about the count of St. Germain? He lived in the 1700s. Like who gives a shit? Well, it's because he was involved with all the aristocracy that created all of the history of that entire time. And he was an alchemist and he was a Renaissance man. And he was like, maybe the ultimate human being. Okay. Uh, There were, there were monarchs who called him the ultimate philosopher. Like, yeah so all this shit ties together even what's happening now we're all being manipulated psychologically that's that's you know the war has moved into the mind and so that's why philosophy has become so important is because we have to fall in love with knowledge because a collection of knowledge leads to wisdom and a collection of wisdom leads to compassion and a large collection of compassion leads to love love and that's how we connect again that's great okay here we go (laughs) All right. So where do you want to start, man? How like what, you know, did you guys do homework? What's going down?
1: I looked I'm up done. as much as I possibly could. Um, I got the background on him and I got when he was deceased. <laughs> and I was like, I told Justin, I was like, listen. Which man. guy? <laughs> the Count of Saint Germain.
2: Well, there's yeah, been multiple, you know. Yeah. Well, I, hope there was I at looked least, up the right there one. There was at least two in the 1700s. <laughs> and like this one of the books I'm going to read from today uh actually talks about he's they're like hey we want to warn you there was this other count of saint germain in the 1700s and he was kind of a criminal and uh he he gave a lot of the bad reputation stuff to this guy's pedigree so watch out for him and they talk about him a little bit but anyway there's and then there's the guy from the 1970s yeah We we probably won't even get to him but uh you know so yeah i want to hear what you all want to start with what do you want to get into
0: look man i say uh well i mean this is just me personally my opinion i say you just uh you, you are you know far more about this topic than either of us. So I'm going to let you dictate how we run this, how we go. Just start with the,
2: we'll do it classically, like a school, but it won't be a TED talk. We'll keep it fun. So feel free to interject, interrupt me. I'm very verbose. I get I tend to go on these energy rants. Don't be afraid to stop me. So hey, that's fine. I'm gonna uh, Write down
1: go. my questions and then. I'll ask them later. <laughs> no, there just ask them
2: when they come up, man, because then, because then we'll get a, cause I, I've done this before. I sort of know where I'm going. Uh, I just like to keep it fresh, you know? Yeah. Awesome. And I want to get to yeah. some new shit that I haven't talked about. Hopefully. So absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's give a basic idea of the the general character. We're going to start talking about because um, it, it, unfortunately this man is very complicated. So I mentioned earlier, there was more than one. Um, turns out a lot of people have used the name the count of saint germain you know f- from at least uh the 1779 all the way to the present in different forms so we heard you know there's a there's a bunch of internet videos about a guy in the 70s whose story is very fascinating and then there was another guy um in the 1800s in um louisiana in new orleans and then there was another uh you know there's been multiple and so we the interesting thing to do is to try to tie them all together but i think that's too big a scope to try to cover today uh and so let's start with like the basics with the most uh there's one character who appears you know in like the middle 1700s and disappears um like late 1800s uh who ha- we have the the largest amount of information on from first person sources okay so he's Sounds the most reliable uh, like character we can evaluate because I can screen share some pictures of people. We can do whatever here, how we want to do this, but or people can just look it up. You know, the, I'm going to quote from people's actual diaries and shit. Okay. You know, people who are very famous. And this is another thing to take into account. The person we're going to be discussing. It's not like, Hey, Frank knew this guy that was 200 years old. Did you know that <laughs> we're talking? We're not talking about Frank. Okay. We're talking about the King of France. And most of the best record that we have was his official mistress, Madame Du Pompadour. Okay. Right before the French Revolution, which he was involved in deeply. Which is so, a great name right off the bat. Du Pompadour. Yeah. Oh my God. The names for it's, some it's, of these characters, bro. Are, I mean, history is so fascinating because it just becomes the best movie. You can't write a movie this good. You can't <laughs> yeah. do it. It can't be done. We're doing an impression of this when we write movies. <laughs> so it's, we can skip the movies. Get rid of that Marvel shit. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Just look at history. Just take it all. Look at true heroes and stop being told what heroes are. Just look at real ones. Look at real graceful people. This is where I become like the sermon because I do give a sermon more than I give like a TED talk.
0: It's all right. It's all right. I love sermons. Sounds. I go to church. I go to church every Sunday.
2: (laughs) Okay, so let's talk
1: uh, about that. Pray for me while he's there. (laughs) Pray for me too, man. I probably need the most prayer.
2: Hey, I have been. I've been praying for both of you guys. I appreciate it, man. I'm not even particularly religious, but uh, I do believe in the focus of prayer. I think it's completely real. Absolutely uh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about uh, medieval or, or Europe during these times, 17, 1800s. Um, what you have is not necessarily like super definitive country border lines, although there are obvious borders, everyone knows. But within those countries, you have a collection of all these rulers who have people working under them like serfs and everything the peons of society you know the in Italy, in Italy they were called the Popolo Minuto which means little people because they were actually diminutive they were smaller because they had bad nutrition they were small they called them the small ones and the and like the people who were eating at these feasts the monarchies they were they were like visibly larger healthier people you know. And so we're talking about a really strange time in human history where, you know, everybody was constantly battling, but they were doing it through chess. And if you read works like Machiavelli, if my audio gets fucked up because I'm being whatever, tell me. Um, If you read works like Machiavelli, the prince, when he talks about like, you know, here is how a psychotic would run a country with zero emotional component whatsoever. No heart at all. He's like murder. Okay, you want to take over the next regime? When you win, you have to murder everybody. Like that's the, that's the kind of shit he says in there. <laughs> okay. He goes, you murder all the, you murder all the males that are of fighting age, you know, and they're still doing this today. What do you think is happening to the American culture?
0: Absolutely. But, that's, that's exactly yeah. what's going
2: on. What's well, it's the same model. They're reading Machiavelli. You yeah. Know? Uh, they, you know, they, so, okay. So like the aristocracy was a class that was so separated from the lower class. Okay. And it wasn't, we're talking about a time when there was just fewer people on the planet. So you know these aristocracies—they they, they moved in clicks, just like the wealthy do today. You know, you follow Dan Bilzerian on Instagram, and he's hanging out with Steve Aoki, and he's hanging out with uh, David Goggins, and you know he's 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 circulating within a small click of people who are taking themselves pretty fucking seriously. You know, and you you can judge their lifestyle all you want, but that has nothing. You know, they're still they're still fucking winning. Yeah, you know they're still yeah. worthy of study as an aristocracy. They're a young version of the aristocracy. I don't know what they mean yet. I don't give a shit about them to be honest with you. But they're still worth they're still worth studying, right? Absolutely. Um, so the, the the European aristocracy at the time they moved around the same way. There were these cliques, and you could see the path of this particular guy who shows up basically in France. But we know his whole pedigree, and I'll give that in a second. And he moves through the aristocracy fluidly the whole time. And it's fascinating because when when you're part of the aristocracy, there were no public schools back then. You didn't go to, you know, a public school at any age. You either had the money for a private tutor, or maybe there was a a community group of people who were like, let's teach the kids something. But mostly it was like, you're going to apprentice under whatever your family does or whatever's around you, or God forbid, you're an orphan. You know, you're going to be a slave essentially, you know? Uh, And so, But if you're in the aristocracy, you'd have private tutors, you know, and and possibly the best in the world, you know. And so we're talking about a difference in the potentials for people. So like this dude, the Count of St. Germain was accused of doing a lot of magic in front of people. But any technology that you put in front of people who don't understand it is going to be perceived to be magic. Magic, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. They're still doing this today it's psychological magic because there's a spectrum of intelligence and there's a hierarchy and this dude, you know, you have to be initiated and ingratiated to the hierarchy. Why? Because they have the libraries. They have all the knowledge libraries. What does the Vatican have?
0: The largest
2: private library in the world. Yeah. Why do you think they're the biggest power structure? Because they have all, all the knowledge. Okay. So, who is this guy according to this particular narrative he is the son of the last monarch of a small country which has been disappearing and losing ground because all of its you know uh, leaders basically one by one got picked off and like it's basically getting absorbed by austria and it's called transylvania boom already i know and then the, the plot this is where thickens right <laughs> Da, da, da. <laughs> so this ca- the Count of Saint Germain's father was named Count Racosi. I have no idea how you pronounce that because it was Transylvanian, and I'm not Transylvanian. Well, it so, sounded really good. So sounded I really d- good. I just make that up because I'm f- <laughs> eccentric. Okay, I have no idea how you pronounce it. It was that
0: convincing. Name. I was convinced. Yeah. <laughs> I'll,
2: I'll tell like, you man, what. Man, he nailed that. Yeah. Well, it sounds good. That's what I. Who gives a shit? This was three hundred years ago. We're just trying to figure <laughs> it out. So. <laughs> okay um because this man lost the struggle basically to the astro-hungarian empire austrian hungary used to be one thing and then they broke apart and so like he separated in this region and basically was abs- this country was absorbed by austria and he was his last monarch well because um a couple things happen because uh he, it's very possible that the count was an illegitimate child And it's, it's, we don't know his providence because these actual answers are in private libraries in people's diaries. And we'll never know because the aristocracy doesn't want those secrets to be out there, but this kid shows up and we know that he had a brother and a sister. And, um, let's see, I'm going to read from this book. Uh, and this book is called the count of St. Germain. It came out, uh, on, Let's see, Cooper Oakley Press, and it's a reprint of an original manuscript from 1912. This one went out of print in the 70s. It's out of print now. You can find PDFs of it, but if you really want to know the Count of St. Germain, this is the book to read, okay? Cooper Oakley, 1970. Um, And so I'm going to read a part here, okay? Is that cool?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Okay. Excuse me. And so this is actually supposedly from his own words, and then we're going to break this down, okay? It's a quote. Some curiosity may be felt as to its history. I will trace it with the utmost truthfulness, according to his own words, adding any necessary explanation. He told me that he was 88 years of age when he came here, that he was the son of Prince Rákosi of Transylvania, and that his first wife, Atekeli, uh, uh, yeah, oh, excuse me, by his first wife, excuse me. He was placed, when quite young, under the care of the last Duke de Medici, Gian Gaston, who made him sleep while still a child in his own room. When Monsieur de Saint-Germain learned that his two brothers, sons of the Princess of Hesse, had become subject to the Emperor Charles VI and had received titles and the names of Saint Carl and Saint Elizabeth, and, of course, what that means is his two brothers got titles, but he's an illegitimate child. So he's right. not going to get a title.
1: He's not yeah, going to get a title. Okay.
2: So he names himself. He said to himself, very well, I will call myself Sanctus Permano, the holy brother. And that's where the name St. Germain comes from. It's a spoof title. It's that a, was a, a question that I had. Yeah, it's a I spoof was... on aristocracy. He's, he's basically, you know, lampooning aristocracy. I'll be the holy brother who didn't get a title. How cool is that? Yeah, that's a pretty. I mean, it's kid, like, he's he's a kid getting a title. And he's like that smart already.
0: I mean, it's like Rob Stark declaring himself king of the north. I mean, just like that. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we see how that worked
2: out. <laughs> so we know the providence of this guy. He he was the, the, you know, the lost heir son. And I don't know if you noticed, I kind of tried to enunciate on this year. But like, did you notice who he was raised by? Because the they Medici's. took him away from his family. Yeah, the Medici's. Let's talk about them for a second. Do you know about the Medici's? Well, basically, my forehead all look the like technology. A lamp. Well,
1: that's why I don't take the hat off, buddy. You want well, to talk I'll bring about? The air, yeah, well.
2: I will look more rocker. <laughs> okay, sorry. Now it's because I was reading. Sorry, I'm just being a douche. What are you saying?
1: Mine's male pattern baldness.
2: <laughs> I have receding hair so I'm dealing with it. So we, we're all fighting the good struggle, man. Mine's yeah. in full
1: retreat. You got to go, Joe Rogan. Then you got to just shave that shit off. He's got I the do, good advice. I just haven't cut my hair, shaved my face in weeks because I've been lazy.
2: Well, yeah, look at mine. I mean, this is like I'm like a hermit up here right now. Sorry, we're off the train. Train's off the rails. Growth, growth. Um, the Medici's—they brought us most of technology, right? not technology art art i mean they did a lot of technology art. but like okay you have to okay so the medici's were a banking family in florence and actually gian gastone was their last heir this was supposedly when this family was sputtering out so to speak and unfortunately i wanted gian gastone the guy who supposedly raised the count of saint germain i wanted him to be like the gastone from the disney movies that's where they get that character gastone gaston that's where he comes from but that's not what this guy was like. He was supposedly like slovenly and gross and like, just like a whoremonger. And it's kind of a piece of shit and the family sputtered out. Like, so what do you expect? Okay. It's not dissimilar to the Borgias, but if, if, if you, if you look into the, the, that family's peak family's peak is what gave us the supposedly what we consider to be the greatest works of art in human history. Including- People don't realize Leonardo, Raphael, Botticelli, Donatello, all lived in the Medici mansion. It's not that they made art and those guys bought it. They lived there in order to make it. That's where the David was. I mean, just, just, that's like George Bush having the David. And when he dies, he's like, okay, now y'all can have it as a statue. Like think about that shit. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, okay, that's, so that's I, the that's the level of aristocracy we're dealing with, and, and you know you know I tell you what, what's happening in America right now will be political for two seconds. You know what they are thinking? They're t- they're trying to tiptoe back to that billionaires like Bezos. They're like, we want, I want that shit back. Yeah, where we absolutely. have all the best shit, and yep. y'all get it later. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're exactly that's right. Truth, you're exactly right. I well, mean, I don't have a I don't have a rocket ship that I'm flying into a, an an orbital flight. You know, just in my backyard
2: well it's not one thing anymore it's all best things yeah and it's ridiculous all best things yeah all that's like that's like being a king how's that any different than being a, a king that's you like n- nothing ever you can literally decide anything by that island okay it like there's no limits to your to your experience and yep, that's where your right. brain starts going <laughs> going wonky you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> i have not <laughs> money
2: than I have more. Well, that's than why I this is do. important, man. That's why this is important. This is the reason I bring it up. This was a guy in that position who instead became incredibly graceful and started trying to seed information. So let's jump ahead to what this guy like accomplished a little bit. Otherwise this will be like his whole life's long podcast, but (laughs) we don't want to do a podcast that long. But what I do want to, I just, it's important to know where people come from because if the last of the Medici is raising you and they're the people who had the King David in their house, they also have a special library. Yeah. They also might have access to like, I don't know, the elixir of life, which the count claimed to have at different points. And it's in Madame du Pompadour's journals. It's in so many journals. That's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. crazy. Okay. So he was raised by some incredibly, he was raised by the elites. Substitute any elite that you know, and then you'll understand what kind of what this guy went through. It probably, you know, and it it mentions in here. I think this is fascinating because I have kids. They make a point of saying, as a child, he was made to sleep in his own room. Because back then, that's not what children did, they slept with their parents. And that has been the norm for most of human history, and the idea that you put them in a cage instead and let them cry it out—that's Satanism. Yeah, I mean, and I only use that word because people are familiar with it in terms of like our audiences. But like, you can you can call it whatever you want. It's an expression of evil to be like put your child in a cage and walk away from it. And that's the paradigm that they're oh, you want to give your child the gift of. crib sleep or whatever it is. And it's a complete lie, man. My kid, you know, he slept, he sleeps in bed with us. And if the most beautiful thing in the entire universe is waking up next to your child.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. My five-year-old still sleeps with us every single night. I'm
2: not saying they have to do it forever, but I'm saying when they're very little. Yeah, very. I'm talking very little, you know, and in the very beginning, it's not, it's kind of dangerous. You gotta be careful because you're exhausted and they're up every two hours. And like, you have to put them somewhere, but it's not in a cage somewhere else. There's a, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a way to make that human. <laughs> but, and so they, they mentioned that in here. And so we know this guy had, you know, all the challenges of the strangeness of his era. Yet he became this incredible illustrious gentleman who could play the violin, play the piano, could paint, spoke like 12 languages. uh, You know, and anyone would test him on this. There's another famous story in here. And this is really resonant with like Leonardo, because I think Leonardo has a story like this. They wanted to test him on his, like you know, physical mastery, and he wrote, he he composed a poem from scratch, okay, with both hands, on two separate sheets of paper, and so according to the story, they were identical. You could tell what. Them now, that? Fun, yeah, now that, that's a level of physical mastery most people think is fake. But now I, I give this to you. Think about how long it takes a baby to learn to walk. Yeah. Maybe if you had nothing but spare time on your hands because you were 400 years old, you'd be like, should I learn to write with both hands? Maybe I could jerk off with both hands.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's
2: I mean, this is a cool mind experiment. We have to indulge the idea that this guy may have been a couple hundred years old. The most famous story comes from a woman that he meets over and over. Madame Pompadour. And he sees her in Venice and he sees her in, uh, France and, and she manages, I don't think she met. Yeah, no, she, she didn't, she wasn't part of the revolution. She died. She was, uh, the, she was the mistress of the monarch before the King of France who was executed Louis the 16th. Okay? okay. Um, he, she was the mistress of that. So, but he was best friends with Louis the 14th, Louis the XV, 15th, Louis the 16th. And it, it, <laughs> Like, how, how? how is that possible? Yeah, that's a... Uh, you know, and it's not like you're... we don't have any evidence of him. In the British Museum, they have his compositions of music. In the British Museum, they have letters from him. In the British Museum, they have uh, his book. He wrote a book. Wow. It's it's in the shape of a triangle. And the, the writing in it is just a kind of weird, esoteric, alchemical poetry. So it's, really? an, it's an important. Yeah. And you can't even understand what it means. I have a picture of it. You, you look it up and pull a picture up. It's it's called the Most Holy Trina Sophia. Oh, there's that word again Sophia. What's Trina? Three. The Most Holy Sacred Triangular Knowledge. Wow. Okay. Oh. So let's. I know I'm dropping bombs. Yeah. This is. Well, why? Why? Is, what's. What, yeah. Okay. So. What part of his life do you want to delve into? Because we don't want to do the whole thing, obviously. We don't know a lot about his childhood. He was raised by the last of the Medici. He sort of shows up in European courts. Maybe I could read uh, a list of the places he appeared in Europe during his prominent period, which yes. everyone describes the same thing. They all describe the same thing. They say he showed up looking around 40 or 50. He was of medium build, around five seven. He always wore dark clothing that was covered in diamonds. And shoes that had diamonds on them. He always wore dark clothing covered in diamonds. One of the legends that he would share with people was that when he was studying in India, because when he was young, he went around to all these amazing places and traveled a lot and studied everywhere. You see this narrative with all these great thinkers. He studied Pythagoras. The same thing is true. He traveled a lot. He spent 22 years in Egypt. You know. Yeah studying in the temples under the last reign of the pharaohs like these people who accumulate crazy knowledge like this they travel a lot and so like the most most of this kid's life was spent traveling and going to like these major tutors that these families could afford to be like you teach him now you teach him now you teach him the magic now you teach him how to live forever (laughs) i mean like we don't know okay there's no way you can know what he was actually taught But supposedly, he would tell people over and over that when he was in India, for example, the reason he had such exorbitant wealth was because they taught him how to melt diamonds together. I actually read that. I read that You could take diamond dust and turn it into larger diamonds.
0: Yeah. there's,
2: There's a very famous story. I'm pretty sure it was Louis XIV. Louis XIV was testing him and gave him a giant diamond, like one of the crown jewels of the country. And it had a flaw in it. And he goes, can you take this flaw out? And he goes, yeah. And he, he took it away. He came back a month later, and Louis weighed it. Had all his jewelers look at and everything, and it was it, the flaw was gone, and it had barely reduced in weight. Perfect, like I mean, perfect. But there's like, how are you how are you gonna argue about that story? That's a king of France. That's not Frank. Yo, he came in and he had this diamond. <laughs> it's the king of France.
0: Yeah, I agree, <laughs> this, man. Guy I mean, was it's... on
2: the world stage. Like people were examining what he was over and over. They didn't know what this guy. Where the fuck is this guy? Yeah. yeah,
1: Louis the fourteenth was the longest
2: reigning monarch, right? They called him the Sun King. Yeah, He's like actually the longest reigning monarch years. in human history. 72 years. Yeah. Yeah. The longest reigning monarch in history. Well, you know, whatever you call a monarch, but that's a pretty 72 years is pretty long. That's a whole life. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. That's a good life, a long life. And they let well he was, especially he was, for that time. popular. They call him the sun king because they like during that period, um, you know, uh, I, it's hard to be like, "Oh, it was a good time." Times back then were not all that good ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you look back on history almost. Oh, you're shitting period. in the
1: street. It is like, <laughs> it's San Francisco. <laughs>
2: it is though. Like, like people are killing people with swords, and and like like, like people are getting murdered for their. Give me your veils, I need food. Like you know, like it's just I don't know why I went British here, but no offense, <laughs> yeah. but uh. I figured California would be like,
1: dude, give me that food, man.
2: (laughs) It's important to put all this in context because it really highlights like the level of this guy whose pieces of art are still in museums. Like how do you rise above that kind of culture? Well, you have to be insulated from it and you have to be just, you know, it's just like all these celebrities. They don't just date. They have their own dating apps and shit, you know? I don't know if people know that. Like, there's private dating apps you have to apply to, and you have to, pr- you have to prove you're a celebrity. <laughs> there's, no, there's levels of aristocracy that get weird. They only want to circulate with themselves. Yeah. Uh, but the interesting thing about the Count was that he really tried to contribute things to society so the one thing he did during like the majority of his life after he got all his education was he came back to europe and he started traveling around and meeting all the other alchemists of the time and one of the main things that the count of saint germain is remembered as is an alchemist and a lot of people don't even know what that word means and it's just a it's an older word that meant like a master of the sciences that that's all it really means and um you know that's obviously he was into every kind of knowledge but he's very famous as an alchemist because the alchemy during the day was still trying to turn lead into gold, which I do believe actually may be possible, and uh, under certain conditions, and so do others. And uh, I believe he did you know, it that,
0: in a video in 1972.
2: Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, video is always questionable, right? But like, I think. Certain things all of a sudden create like crazy wealth. Like when the Templars came back from being under the Temple of Solomon, we don't know what exactly it is that they brought back, but one of the ideas is that they may have brought back knowledge, a sacred yeah. kind of knowledge to do alchemical things. And then all of a sudden the Templars start dominating Europe and the, and the Vatican goes, you know, we have to crucify these dudes. And that's where Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th. From. Absolutely. Right. So, so, but like where, but one of the main things about the Templars is we don't know what that secret that they got under the Temple of Solomon was. Like, there was a secret knowledge they got, and it made them extremely wealthy. Maybe it was fractional reserve banking. I don't know. Whatever it was, it was. But this guy had a secret wealth, and everybody used to talk about it constantly because he was with the richest people, and he just did nothing but travel, and his clothes literally had diamonds on them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The first rhinestone cowboy.
2: (laughs) I mean, literally. They're doing an impression of this guy and people of this era, where they would just have like, you know what? Hey, take those jewels and just put them on my clothes. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Holy crap.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Like, why do I need a ring? Just put them on, put them all over me. I mean, it's Liberace (laughs) shit, dude. I love it. (laughs) But they were so, it really is. Okay. Okay. Let's get back to business. All right, some serious contributions. Let's read some shit here. Um, okay, did I leave off somewhere? A loop? Did I? Did I? There's a loop I leave open. Did I not close a loop on anything? We no, talked no, I don't
0: think so. I think no. you, you were just heading into. Uh, well, what you're heading into right now? I think we're good. Yeah. What
2: did he do? Why is he important? What did he contribute? <laughs> we're talking about alchemy. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Alchemy. Okay. A lot of stories of him doing weird tricks in front of people to convince them that he was indeed legit. And so these would have been in small sitting rooms with the aristocracy, people having brandy and shit, you know, smoking cigars, books everywhere. I mean, I want to be in these rooms. Sounds, sounds like sounds awesome. People dressed in diamonds. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> okay. Sounds like a good Jesus Christ! (laughs) Even every time I tell these stories, I'm like, God, what are we doing? Where are my diamonds, (laughs) Rupert? Rupert, bring my diamonds. (laughs) Um, I'll be able to say that one day. Um, okay, not for real, but I'll pay Rupert well in diamonds. Just paste Um, them right here on my shirt. Let's talk about some of these tricks he did. Okay, so there's one thing he did in front of Louis the Fourteenth. I talked about the diamond. Another one was he would produce a piece of. uh, This is one famous incident. He he called it. Um, I don't want to say unburnable. What's the other word? Unignitable wood. It couldn't be lit on fire, but it was wood. And everyone's like, is it, "But is it wood? We don't know." But but supposedly, when you lit it, instead of burning, it would swell up and then immediately turn to ashes. What? It's just a fa- i have no idea man these are just the famous stories that are told about him i'm trying to do the weird rare ones that you're not going to see like on the internet do you know yeah, what i mean yeah yeah because absolutely. there's you, the, nobody wants to read that shit over and over um and obviously i can't t- even begin to scratch the surface with this guy let's talk about basics how he functioned never ate a single meal in front of anyone when he showed up to the aristocracy court he he was 40 or 50 and he spent at least 80 years in the french aristocracy on record and was also on record saying I'm several hundred years old and I'm very tired. So I'm going to go rest in Nepal for about 80 years and you won't hear from me for about 80 years. Right before he vanished.
3: <laughs> so like
2: <a> curtain call. <laughs> you see you guys in a hundred years, I'm out. But like, okay, so let's see. I went, you know, I've been, I've been in Nepal. Like what's in Nepal. Why would you mention Nepal? Because there is a story in Nepal, a sacred scripture, if you will. And a lot of their sacred texts talk about these places called Bayul, which are uh, Xanadu. It's like a paradise hidden in the Himalaya. Now, if you've been in the Himalaya, those mountains are ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and you there could be something hidden there. They can't even fly planes there. We don't know what's there. It's not like that they, like they can just do an aerial survey. Okay. There's always cloudy. You know, you can't get close. Shit gets destroyed. They can't fly helicopters in there. They can't fly planes. You know, if you want to get to the Everest base camp, you have to make, you know, they can't, they fly this puddle jumper over there, this, this like eight seater airplane. And you're like, what, don't you guys have bigger planes? Like, why don't we, and they're like, the weather's bad. We're not going today. And I'm like, yeah, we're not, you know, (laughs) (laughs) they crash all the time. So we're talking about a part of the world that's still pretty cool and isolated. And back then in the 1700s, you know, anything's possible. So, and there's multiple characters throughout history who talk about these places, these Xanadus, these mythical uh, rejuvenation energy centers high up in the mountains. Even the Tibetans have it in their language. The Tibetans talk about it. Everyone up there talks about it spiritually. They're like, yeah, these are these secret hidden places. They may not be on the same energy plane. Wow. I don't even know what that means. No, me neither. you could just so like it could be a cave entrance and then you go into another energy field where like you're being recharged and it's paradise. That seems outside the realm of human possibility and some very rock and crystally Sedona type shit. But like I've seen weird things in this world that blow my mind. Don't you think there should be a crescendo kind of event if that's what human nature is? It's a scale. Yeah, just like and I don't even think it's that weird that this dude can live a long time because I actually believe human beings live on a spectrum. Some of them don't live very long at all. And because that's true, the opposite has to be true. What if some of them live a couple hundred years? It's talked about in every major book. The Bible knows 600.
0: Absolutely. Well, Methuselah was, what, 974 yeah. years old These are just or outliers.
2: Something? They're just outliers. They're just outliers. Yeah. So yeah, I think this guy was a true outlier. But that's how his story kind of crescendos, not to be a spoiler alert, because guess what? It starts up again 80 years later as a new guy because he just changes his name maybe. And goes to another part of the world where nobody recognizes him and then fakes his death. I think his name
1: is Elon Musk now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, because you know why? Elon Musk doesn't act with any grace and he doesn't have moxie. Everybody writes about this guy in their journal. These were the mistresses of the kings of the world. And they're infatuated with a guy wearing diamonds. (laughs) <laughs> okay <laughs> so they're writing about him in their diaries like oh he's so witty and he speaks his languages and ah oh, my god they he, it's ob- he, you know it's obvious that he hid his dalliance as well but it's also obvious that all these women were were ravenous for him just infatuated he, with this guy well not only that i think he had a lot of like relationships that he did a good job hiding and he didn't manage to piss anybody off because it did it so gracefully yeah he might have been the most graceful person in history He's wearing diamonds. <laughs> I can't get enough of that. Yeah. He's
1: <laughs> His clothes are covered in
2: diamonds. Well, did, Just imagine if you learned to melt diamonds together, you can make money out of nothing out of dust out of diamond dust.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you
2: could take two diamonds that were like half the price and then combine them into one that's exorbitant. You would have an unlimited amount of money, but then he joins, you know, he was in the Freemasonic lodge, which was responsible for orchestrating the French revolution. He's on the lists. His name's signed there. Hmm. And yet, there are journal articles, or uh, yeah, from Madame Pompadour, where she's talking about how he's counseling the king and trying to get him to prevent revolution.
0: So it's kind of like he's playing both sides of the, That's of right. the coin. He there. always
2: does this throughout history. But the contribution is usually him pleading and trying to get the good side. He does this in England, he does this in Russia. He does this in France multiple times, and it's very possible he was in Germany in 1776 when Adam Weishaupt was re- reviving the Bavarian version of the Illuminati. Wow! Wow! This guy's story goes so deep; we could do twenty hours. I'm giving you the highlights.
0: <laughs> yeah, I you do. know, and that's the thing. Just me reading through, uh, you know, just checking things out here and there. You know, I, of course, I, I listened to you talk about him a little bit before, and then just in the in the studying that I've done on it, you're exactly right. I mean, there's so much there, and when you think, okay, that's all this, that, that's all that's left here to unpack of this guy. No, there's way. something else. There's something else, and then it keeps popping back up. I mean, it's just it's unreal, and how many different
2: aliases and and you know, yeah, he assumed a different name everywhere he went, and then he produced credentials. Backing up that name to that aristocracy. There's a story of him doing it in Russia and taking out this thing and being like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm the Graf Tsarkozy and uh, and I'm the guy who's like this. He was a Russian general, and he produces like all this information, you know. And then he's living with all these famous artists, and then he's he's uh he's hanging out with the mistresses of all the guys, of course, and getting yeah. invited to the best parties. But when he goes to these parties, he's never, ever, in his life recorded eating or drinking. He didn't eat in front of anyone ever. And supposedly I read some sources that say his meals were taken to his room and they were of simple fare. That's the best description I could get out of any, any of the sources. And I've gone through pretty much the ones that aren't in private libraries. You know, I I can't, there's no one more for me to go to. I think that
0: I read um, the only, the only food substance that I read that, that people had documented seeing him eat was a form of oatmeal is, is how basic gruel.
2: Yeah. That's it. Yeah. like And that's what makes a sense that there's a gruel back then. That's certainly not the most nutrient efficient way to live. And I'm a carnivore and I have a podcast called pepper for your steak. (laughs) And and I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to live to 300, but maybe it's because, you know, it's interesting. Pythagoras actually lectures on this. Pythagoras really? lectures on this at length. Yeah, he he has several books that we aren't. We know these books exist because people like Socrates talk about them, but they're not anywhere than the Vatican Library. But we know they exist, so we know their their content and their premises. And the idea is, and this is where the majority of people think Pythagoras was vegetarian. Pythagoras, no, he wasn't. Okay, I'm going to lecture on Pythagoras just for a minute here as a teaser, because he ties into the count. Because I think they may have been the same incarnation. Um, because they had, because unfortunately the counter St. Germain went around telling people, I am a reincarnation of this list. And he gave people this, this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, this person. And Pythagoras could also do this. He knew each one of his incarnations. People in the old world took this stuff so seriously. And guess what? They still pick the Dalai Lama to this day, this way. Yeah. By making yeah. him identify, they have the little tricks that they use to test you. To see if you're the reincarnation, they go, which one of these was your brush? And they'll have five brushes, identical brushes. Which one of these is your this? What was your favorite book from the bookshelf over there? Go pick it out. How many of those things can you fu- fake? Yeah, fucking none of them.
0: You can't fake any of that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you've got to okay. be the, the yeah, you're going to walk over
2: to a bookshelf of 300 books <laughs> and pick the right book. I mean, like, I'm sorry. These people aren't stupid. They've been studying spirituality for millions of years, thousands of years, millions, maybe millions. I don't know. But okay, so I forgot what. Ta- okay, how did I get on the Pythagoras tangent? Um, it was because let's reverse this, reverse engineer mediator. Because Saint Julian. Thank you. So Pythagoras yeah. lectured at length on, uh, not harming specific animals, which he believed human spirits could incarnate into. So hmm. during his life. It was very common, a common form. This, these kinds of facts about Europe, you know, not even Europe. This was like uh, Italy and Syria uh, 600 years before zero. So 2,600 years ago, people were trying to predict the future. The most common form of divination was to take an animal, sacrifice it and look at its organs. Yeah. So Pythagoras was like, we don't need to use dead animals to predict the future. We can use math. That's why he's famous, <laughs> okay? And so they're like, he's a vegetarian. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> I'm not making this up. No more animal sacrifice to predict Bro, the future. Like, he, so he was like, look, we can still sacrifice. We can still make the correct sacrifices. He had yeah. uh, later in life. He had his own college, and they still made sacrifices every day. He was like, but. We're only going to sacrifice specific animals because specific animals can receive a human soul as a reincarnation. And we're not going to sacrifice those. Anything that was albino, for example, a white chicken, a white peacock and anything that was out of the ordinary, like those are aberrant. That's aberrant behavior genetically. Right. So he's like, these, that's a, there's a reason that happened is because human incarnated into it. (laughs) That's nuts to think about.
0: It is. It is. It really is.
2: But What if that's true, man? That is. We're crazy. talking about the guy who like one of our most famous thinkers, 2,600 years ago, everyone knows that name. No one knows anything about what he taught, but it got condensed into the Bible 600 years later. Like every doctrine Jesus ever taught came from Pythagoras because Jesus was in an a scene in these scenes where a school formed to teach the Abrahamic sect, the teachings of Pythagoras. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. So, we have this guy, Count of Saint Germain, whose book was a triangle and Pythagoras's whole deal was the sacred trinity was the is a mother, a father, and a child. That's the sacred trinity according to Pythagoras. That's what he thought. And it got obviously got perverted by a Christian doctrine, right? Just Maverick talking. Uh mother, father, child. Okay? And then Count St. Germain's book is The Most Holy Trina Sophia, The Sacred Triangle. And it's poetry about love. But it's it's supposed to be alchemical secrets written in code. Maybe wow. The Elixir of Life.
0: That's insane, dude. I mean, there's just so many connections.
2: Just, I mean, Are y'all enjoying this or is this like too wacky out there? no it, it's it's blown oh no done. that's great this is great okay look we do like to get as it's hard for me to know as how as my possible. work comes across man i'm i'm i have a very uh eccentric product so no i'm loving uh. it i'm loving it these are the
0: kind of conversations that that i love that that we love that we have on a day-to-day basis <laughs> I mean, we're working we sit down at break and it's like dude, did you hear, or did you see, or did you know? And I mean, it's just, you know, it opens up an entire can of, of endless possibility and conversation. Philosophy is
2: the ultimate set of Legos in your mind.
0: That's a good way to put it.
2: And like, you didn't get any directions and you have to put some of it together for different purposes immediately. Language, walking. Like put that shit together right now, or you're yeah. behind. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. It is, you know. Is, and then man. you realize, oh, there's books. I can read books. There are instructions. There's instructions. Fuck, they told me there weren't any. Why? <laughs> because they want you to be chaotic and not get anything done and just pay taxes and be a slave. They, they want you
0: to be stupid, like like you said earlier. Do you think
2: in any of the Medici wanted the popolo minuto? To get in their way and try to become aristocracy? No, they'll just remove his funding. Get this guy out of here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I, I cut you
0: off there. What were you going to say? I don't remember, but I needed to bring up, a, or I just did think of something. We were talking oh, yeah. about all these women that were
2: associated uh, with this guy,
0: mistresses of of these the, the most high authority at the time. Yet. Um, didn't I believe that I read somewhere or heard from somewhere that the famous Casanova himself.
2: Yes. They interacted.
0: That he, that's what I was thinking that he either met this guy or he talked at length about this guy.
2: So I went something to along those lines with my mother in 2000 and I think it was 18 when she was dying of cancer. Her biggest wish was to go tour Europe. So he spent a month touring Europe and I've been to Europe before, but not as an adult. Um, I was like in my twenties, you know, and I had a great time. I really love Europe. I spent a lot of time there. I was just dating a girl from Germany, and it was amazing. But going to Venice, for some reason, it made a really great impression on me. Um, there's something about that place. I mean, it's, in, it's a city that's invented. Everything's on poles. It's in the middle of a bay. Yeah. It's, full, it's essentially floating, but not. It's just in a shallow bay and so much crazy history. So many famous, famous, the most famous humans in all of history have walked through that plaza, you know, and been on those streets. And Casanova, I just developed a kind of infatuation with. In fact, I wanted to name my son Casanova, but uh, it, got, it got shot down early. Um, <laughs> so he got named Hunter instead of after Hunter Thompson, so which is it. But um, Casanova's story in itself is worth study. Yeah, We're talking about a guy who's the most famous lover of all time. Like, it's been a couple hundred years, man. We still talk about this guy. Like, what was he up to? <laughs> you yeah, know? And his story's nuts. He was just like a LaFloria. He was just cruising around. And he had the magic language. He was the Warren Beatty of the era. I don't know if you know his story, but like, it's pretty famous. Jack Nicholson. Pretty famous. These are, you know, right now, uh, who else? Who's who's one right now? Who's a cast number right now? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, Leonardo. That's, that's exactly who I was. Google the say. women he's dated. Yeah. And I don't mean to be male centric. I just mean like there are these guys who this become George Clooney, probably the most graceful. You know? Yeah, I agree. But yeah, you I don't do hear trash about these guys in the you don't hear trash about Leonardo DiCaprio in the tabloids. You don't hear me. know, he, no, it's not like he's getting drunk, pissing on women, hitting people. The guy's acting like a gentleman. Yeah. And so I have no qualms about the way that this guy has chosen to live his life. See? And that's what Casanova did. That's what the Count did. They were the Leonardo DiCaprio's of their time, wearing clothing made of diamonds. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> diamonds. Imagine if fucking George Clooney walked in. I my tequila company for 750 Million dollars, diamond clothes, but he would just be like, All right, they're having the I mean, they're no different, man. Now you're and right. I don't, I would he's... never compare them to people like Jeff Bezos, I would never compare them to people like that because that guy's like, he, I don't, he, the, I don't want to fault him, but he's just vanilla. He's well, not, he's not striving to be a gentleman,
0: yeah. It, it's one of those things like it's you, a matter
2: you, of class and absolutely. Grace.
0: Absolutely. Grace, grace is the big thing there. And and I think with grace, that ties hand in hand with with charity, you know, you, to be charitable, to want to leave yes. something, some kind of. Imprint. But you're even
2: being charitable with your appearance by dressing nice for others. Yeah. Not to be absolutely. fancy, to absolutely. look nice. Absolutely. I agree with That's that. That's fascinating. And yeah. I always pushed against this. People when they're young, they always push against this. They're like, I don't need a hang suit. You know, like it just looks dumb. Who cares? And they're not wrong. But you could just do it your way. Yeah, do it your way. Mm-hmm. But like, it's the reason that whole f- trope exists at all. Clo- the clothing trope as a as an archetype of visual display. I mean, it's the peacock, right? And yeah. and you can take it in so many different directions. But we know which peacocks are trashy, and we know which peacocks are graceful. Yeah. And you don't have to say words. This is something I talk about with modern art because I can hate modern art because I think it's mostly a medium of exchange for money laundering and bullshit. (laughs) If you have to explain a piece of art, it's not art. I agree. Real art doesn't need an explanation. You look at it and feel something immediately in the core of your being. And everybody who writes about this guy said that he has a kind of charisma that when he was there with you in the room, it felt different. I believe this is something we can all cultivate. And this is how we take our fun, goofy podcast and think about it in our individual lives in an actionable way. Charisma is real. Marilyn Monroe used to talk about it all the time. was a really famous story about Marilyn Monroe being on the streets of New York with her photographer. And uh, nobody was recognizing her. She had just kind of dressed down. And she was, this is was just at the height of her fame. No one was recognizing her. It was blowing her photographer away. And she goes, oh, do you want to see her? And she goes, he goes, what? He goes, do you want to see Maryland? And he goes, yeah. And she just took a pose and got, they had to have the police get them out of there. They had. To, they had to be escorted away by the cops. And she, got, and she mobbed. got mobbed. She could wow. turn it on and off like a light switch. Yeah. I mean, that's. And unfortunately that's a... she was the trope of the modern courtesan. You know, we know what happened to her sad story. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Um, but the cat was is. one of these people who knew how to turn that on. And then in case it didn't turn on, I'm not going to say it again. You know what I'm going
1: to say? Um, <laughs> just put <thin laughs> diamonds on your clothes. That's, <laughs> that's all you got to do. It's hard not to be graceful wearing diamonds. It's...
2: Uh... Let's see. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. So where should we go with this? What do you guys want to know about? Tell me stuff that came up with... And if you say your tiny cursory research or anything that I mentioned you're interested in, or like... All the anything, songs anything. Right. And
1: by the way, the songs he did in English kind of explain where Casanova was going with this. Uh, The maid that's made for love and me. Uh, Jove, when he saw my fanny's face. Uh, It's not that I love you less. So apparently that was his side chick. And (laughs) gentle love this hour befriend me. Like. He, by the way, he wrote four English songs, seven violin solos, uh, six trio sonatas, 42 Italian yeah. arias.
2: This, Most of that's in the British Museum.
1: This guy is, the more we look into him, he's blowing my mind here.
2: Well, it's hard to even imagine a human being like this. Like how much would you give to hang out with this guy? I would cut a finger off. Yeah. What kind of human experiences can you have? And then when you become that person, imagine how attractive that is. Just
0: imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can
2: use it in any situation that you, that you're ever in ever. So imagine this is, this is the Maryland thing. You have managed to craft a persona, which is so attractive. It gives you ultimate power. Yeah, we should all be trying to do this <laughs> <laughs> just for the sake of benefiting the human race to better everyone. And, I, and the fact that it's not a narrative is not a mistake. It's intentional. It's fluoride. It's soy. It's everything. Okay. We know that we're am t- I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of even talking about it. All. Yeah, it's obvious. These aristocracies never went away. Nah, do you think they want never. to stop wearing clothes like that? I don't think so.
0: No. They're not gonna quit wearing their diamond
2: clothes. Are you kidding me? So it is fucking awesome. I, something struck me just what you just said though. Hold on, what was it? Uh um, I may have forgotten it already, but <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so we can go any direction you want with this. Um, I could read some more quotes, or we could just I could just tell some more stories or uh know well well, this guy i don't know we can talk about a different we could talk about the other incarnations which are interesting the guy from the 70s is pretty interesting because what's mostly interesting about him is his death is very mysterious and then the guy in New Orleans but New Orleans is its own episode completely because that's that place is
0: yeah New Orleans is there's just a different kind of energy there. I mean it's with with everything but I'm thinking it might have been the New Orleans incarnation of this guy. Was that the early, like early 1900s, like 1902?
2: Might have been 1800s.
0: Okay. I think, I can't remember if I read or if I heard, like, (laughs) I've tried to pour as much time into this guy in the last couple of days, (laughs) but wasn't there some kind of actual police documentation? I'm thinking, like you said, either the late 1800s or early 1900s, um, to where there was some kind of party or something that he was hosting.
2: Yeah. Uh, So like basically this, basically these, you know, these folks show up in new Orleans that he's calling himself the count. They're very lavish. They have tons of money. Everything fits the same description. Um, And he starts throwing parties to basically ingratiate himself to the local gentry, the people who sort of run new Orleans, you know, the Southern, whatever you want to call them aristocrats. Um, And so basically the way that you do that is you host lavish parties. We all saw great Gatsby. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to circle around you, the richest people, you know, in any clique, click, you know, you just have parties and they come. I've circulated in a few of these in Hollywood, not, not any crazy ones, but like, that's how you meet people because you, you want them to come to your party so you can meet them. It's like a social thing. It's not like you go, Hey Jack Nicholson, let's have lunch. Like, I don't fucking know you. But if he comes to a party you have and there's other people there, so that you're verified by the aristocracy, then you're like, Oh, I you know, I feel normal being here. I can ingratiate myself with this person. So the count's doing that in New Orleans. And then some weird shit happened. And I don't know the details of that because they're not very well preserved. Um, and this is why he gets like at different points. Well, here's the thing: we haven't even touched on this. I did a two-hour podcast uh rima faye's podcast i can't remember the name of it but it's out of australia her name's rima faye though if you want to go check it out another podcast on the count and uh she's doing a brand new show too she's going to be just as successful as you guys you guys are both approaching it the same way very different podcasts. her podcast was all about the possibility that this guy was a vampire yeah and we haven't even touched on that
1: well, as soon as you said Transylvania and uh, Dracosi, I was like, "Huh, that's pretty close to Dracula. I see where we're going here. But I'm glad you <laughs> veered away and went into the actual historical part of it because, listen, <laughs> my, one of my it's favorite mythology mythology, all that stuff, I am fascinated to learn about it, read about it, listen to things on it ghosts and all that I do not believe in one single hint of that stuff now
2: what stuff uh, specifically
1: paranormal Vamp- vampires? Um, vampires cryptos things like I do want Sasquatch to be real by the way
2: but- <laughs> <laughs> well Jane Goodall the number one primate you know scientist in, in history believed that at one time that you know and now we all we already have the archaeological records in asia of uh you know gigantopithecus so we already know that it's real we know that there was a land bridge from asia to north america so it's not a question of whether or not it's real it's a question of, like where's the evidence has it been absconded with by the smithsonian very, very likely um are they an arm of the vatican to enforce the doctrine that all humans were created like in one format forever absolutely although now there's like 38 different human species from Homo florensis, which is like a miniature person to giants. So it's not a question of whether Bigfoot existed. It's like, when do they stop existing or do they still? Because we have evidence for, of one for a hundred thousand years ago. That was, you know, 15, 18 feet tall, giant monkey. But. Now then see, it would
1: have had to have evolved there. Cause I went over this with Justin and my dad, because they were hominid. <laughs> Whereas, bipedal beings, such as us with family structures, are hominin, Gigantopithecus was not bipedal.
2: What do you mean, it used its arms? Yes. They weren't big, they weren't long enough. Look at the picture of that thing. You think it it crawled like an ape, you mean? Yes. But I don't care how Bigfoot walks, you know? But like (laughs) over over 100,000 years of evolution, didn't we learn to walk?
1: <laughs> hey, yes and that's that's the thing i was saying it would have to have evolved specifically for that purpose
2: yeah now we're on to bigfoot from the count of saint germain i can <laughs> <Yeah. move laughs> this back in and that's okay, way, though, because all these things matter like they all tie together in a certain way because we're exploring what human beings believe is possible in their reality and my whole argument is that something has been hidden from us in terms of our possibilities intentionally um You know, Sam talks a lot about this, Sam Tripoli. Uh, If we don't know how special we are, we can't leverage it. What if we could all live to 300 years simply by not drinking any alcohol or combining alcohol with the fluoride in the water or combining alcohol with the fluoride in the water and one other thing? You know, that's the premise of that very first Batman movie is that none of the products the Joker was putting out by themselves were poisonous. But when you combine them, they were deadly. And that's what's happening in our society. Yeah. Um, and people pretend every day that's not, you know, and uh, I don't know that if you only eat gruel, it's to the, to the uh, sacrifice thing, but Pythagoras lectured specifically at length on what sort of diet you should have based on what you were trying to achieve. And he believed that if you were your ultimate goal was to be a warrior or an athlete, you should have a diet, mostly of meat. But if your ultimate goal was to be a deep thinking, calm philosopher, you should shy away from those things because they inflame the passions. And what do we learn now? Cholesterol is a precursor to testosterone. Yep. Hmm. That's true. So a vegetarian diet does make you more docile. Look at all of Asia. Why do you think those people are so easy to dominate? They have bad nutrition and no testosterone. They're not carnivores like fucking Joe Rogan, not beasts. Yeah. You know? That's just diet. So it is possible that you could prolong your life by having an extreme one. And then there's all the science that, that has come out lately about just exchanging of blood. You can take the blood out of a young rat, put it into an old rat, and that rat digresses in age. And in every species, this is true. What does that mean for humans? Like, What, what if you can take a young person's blood and just put it in an old person? That That's not fake. That's real. Well, I mean,
0: look at the look at well, I mean, all throughout history. You've had, you know, human sacrifice and, and, and cannibalism. We're on, obsessed on part of with that. this
2: idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always, you know, all throughout history, you see this, this power being received from the person, um, either partaking in this event. You know, look at, um, well, look at Vlad the Impaler. Look at Elizabeth Bathory. Look at, You know, well, Hillary Clinton today, she's never going to die because she's (laughs) drinking baby blood every single day. (laughs) (laughs) Stories about the Queen of England disappearing people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I heard that she keeps a vial of blood around her neck or somewhere on her person at all times. So, I I mean, mean, what if
2: you just had to drink it and you you would get like the nutrients in it? And and if it was from a young person, you, you would have young. Here's what people don't understand about eating meat. And I I listened to a scientist explain this And I was like, that makes so much sense Why do we eat in the first place? I'm asking you
1: Fuel, nutrition, keep our bodies going
2: What's okay, what does fuel mean? What's our body doing?
1: Uh, It's breaking down the different types of fats The salts, the
2: protein Just on on a basic level though On a basic level, what's it doing? It's regenerating itself, regenerating right?
1: Itself, yeah. It has
2: to replace all these cells every seven years. Supposedly, is how long it takes you to replace every cell in your body, if 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 you know what we're told is true. So, um, it has to regenerate itself, and then it has to base essentially burn energy. Cal- a calorie is a measurement of energy. Uh, essentially, it has to burn calories, and then it has to take whatever it's eating and turn it into the building blocks to create all the things that you are. It has to regenerate them. So if you eat something very similar to what you are, red meat, for example, from like a healthy animal, like a deer or something, right? It's going to take that meat apart and make more meat with it. Do you understand? Yeah. Yeah. You're Makes not sense. made of vegetables. You're made of <laughs> that's, meat. That's true. <laughs> so your body has to change that shit into something else. It's skin basic. And I, I, I'm, I'm not, I I'm not like a aggressive carnivore. I don't give a shit what people eat, but, and I, but I don't have a horse in the race. That's the thing. I went down the nutritional path. Cause my dad died in front of me when I was 10 and it was because of heart disease. And I wanted to know what real food nutrition was and where the lies were. He was a doctor. He had access to all the best information at the time. Right. But it was all wrong. The food pyramid was a sham. They were pushing soy. Like it was a disaster. Your endocrine system just gets destroyed. None of that has anything to do with heart disease anyway it's mostly due to dehydration turns out because your the cells in your blood vessels bump into the walls. And after time you're consistently dehydrated your whole life. They start ripping holes in them. Yeah. What a concept and it's pressure. What's blood pressure. Well, those cells are really banging into the walls that comes from stress. All these things. It sounds like we're on crazy tangents, but we're talking about prolonging life. What what does this guy do? How did he do it?
0: Yeah. I mean, did, you're talking about a guy, like you said, it was this gruel. Some uh could
2: some, have been some magical elixir, some, you fucking made out of who knows what. Exactly. People eat gold. You know what monatomic gold is? I take
1: it. Oh, you know what? I've actually heard of this. People eating gold.
2: It's called monatomic gold. Do your deep dive on it. Do your homework. Uh, and actually, it's like colloidal silver. Heard about that? You know what colloidal silver is? Yeah, the yeah, antiseptic. Yep. Yep. And some people get nuts. And there was that dude who drank so much he turned blue and died. I'm sorry, to laugh. That's horrible. <laughs> but yeah, he did, he, he turned he, blue. I think, he I, think, did I think that okay. Think, nobody forced him. Uh, yeah, but it's wrong for me to laugh. You never laugh at another person's suffering. That's just a little child who didn't know any better, and nobody's taught him right. And then yeah. he just fucked up. I that's think how most everybody people, is.
0: I think most that's people that's turn blue when they die around.
2: anyway. No, 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 no. He turned blue <laughs> and lived as a blue person. For, for like several years, I would no, do I'm interviews and stuff. Kidding. Do you remember him? Do you remember this guy? I do, I do. He's yeah, like they were in Vegas. Like, yeah, right? I'm gonna live forever. I'm made of silver. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Well, there's a whole group of them in Vegas now, but what? Yeah, the, the blue, blue man, man group? group. Oh, da 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 da. <laughs> <Stimler>. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: you, know, you got me. i walked right
2: into that one and i've been to that show jesus
0: but no i think you're right man it's it sounds like we're going off on all these weird tangents but you're talking it's, about it's a guy yeah you're talking about a guy that that you know maybe possibly lived hundreds of years so the key it's is not maybe
2: possibly this one dude it is on record that he lived probably around 200 years. Like he showed up at 50. He, he was in court for 80 years and then he was hanging around Europe for another 20 or 30. Yeah, And then he disappeared in Nepal. Like it's, it's in country, you, know, you can't argue with it. There's documents still that we have this music. Yeah. We have his paintings. Yeah. It's true. He was there. God, I wish there. we had his clothes. <laughs> I was just, oh. Liberace may have had his clothes, maybe Liberace got his clothes. Maybe I that was would be, Liberace. Wouldn't that be something. And it's not outside the realm of possibility, except Liberace died of AIDS, sadly. Ooh, uh, is that what
0: he, or is that what he wanted
2: you to think? Maybe he faked it. But I don't think the Count of St. Germain would have gotten all his lovers to get like plastic surgery to look like him because he is so obsessed with his own looks. <laughs> yeah. That movie, <laughs> Behind the Candelabra, by the way, is one of the best movies on the planet. And it, Michael Douglas is stupid good. So, so is, you know... Matt Damon, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's just in yeah. crypto commercials now. I got so obsessed with that fucking movie for a while because I think it's a piece of like it's fun. It's like to me, it's uninten- a lot of unintentional comedy. It's dark, dark unintentional comedy. Mostly listen to Joey Diaz talk about it. Be like, imagine waking up with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, imagine waking up with that guy sucking your pipe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You got five minutes to quit that. That's <laughs> Oh my God,
2: dude. So funny. But listen, these guys, these characters, they do. Like the reason I bring up Liberace and we indulge in this goof with him is that like, it does matter. Like he, he didn't act super gracefully. He acted like a human being and he partied and he had a good time and God bless him for that. You know, I'm not judging the guy, you know, what I, what I choose to live that experience. I, I don't know, but maybe, maybe if that's, it was that or nothing. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll try it out. I don't give a shit. But what I'm saying, <laughs> not I not mean now, but I'm saying like, hey, let <laughs> can kick it easy. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like um, incarnation is a weird thing, man. We don't get to pick it. And uh, what you do get to pick is how graceful you act. And, and the thing that I'm trying to cultivate in my own life and the idea that it's, it's just so it even sounds pretentious to say you're trying to do this now. That's how unusual it's become in our society. It's like I want to be graceful. I want to act in a way that makes people feel value when I walk in the room, not because of my clothes. You know, yeah. that would help, though. Diamonds on the clothes would totally help. Well, I just think it's you know that's an expression of what they were into at the time. That's when people were yeah. peacocking at a level that were so funny. It's so that's when those masks were invented. I'm like, ah, let's think of the craziest shit we can do. Like. <laughs> I mean, the aristocracy in Europe during this period was uh, probably the best human experience you might be able to have, with the exception of, like, the syphilis and all that, and the lack of medical care. (laughs) Because, unfortunately, they were getting punished for that kind of shit. Yeah, you know. And uh, But the debauchery was real, man. I remember a story of the Borgias, which I only bring them up because they're similar to the Medici, and so it paints a picture of, like, what these people were up to. The Borgias are famous for one particular incident attended by the senior members of their family, which may or may not have been incestual, father, daughter, and a husband, very creepy. But it's called the Feast of the Chestnuts. Feast of the Chestnuts. And what they did was they they had all these chestnuts strewn across this grand ballroom and they had like a a box built for themselves overlooking it, right? And they had all these chestnuts strewn on the ballroom. And then they brought in all these naked prostitutes and they had the prostitutes crawl around gathering the chestnuts. And then they brought in the noblemen who were judged according to uh how many women they could bone and how quickly they could go from woman to woman and like their general performance what kind of sex they had uh that's a true story Feast of wow. the chestnut I mean yeah. <laughs> these people they got imaginative you know? that's debauchery and, at its highest level well everything that uh what's his name and this fits right into the theme of what you guys are trying to explore. What's his name? Kubrick. Eyes wide Mm -hmm. shut. It's not fake. It's not fake. I think they whacked him. And they didn't even release the edit that he made. They edited that movie. There's a Christmas tree in every scene. There is a lit Christmas tree in every shot of that movie. Hmm. That's a little Easter egg for you. I'm going to have to go back and watch that movie. I know. Now you're like, is that true? It it might just be a lit display, but I'm pretty sure it's a Christmas tree in every single shot. Huh? There's so much symbolic in that movie. It's insane.
0: Well, Kubrick, he gets tied to so much anyway. I mean,
2: it's, of course, but like what he did was to dip his toes into the aristocracy.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
2: And then he wanted to expose it as an artist. And instead, this guy was a guy who was cruising around Europe trying to seed knowledge into other alchemists and into the right hands so that good would be propagated. I really believe that. I think he taught. There's definitely evidence of him giving the elixir to certain people and uh, the elixir of life, by the way, something that he, that he was like, do this and it prolongs your life. And there's stories about certain women taking it for like 20 years and not changing and looking like they're teenagers. Huh. I'm on it right now. I look 43. Absolutely not. I was thinking like 24 solid. I mean, just I get steady. carded for alcohol every time I buy alcohol, which is frequently lately, but that's neither nor there. I don't think, I don't think, I, I don't know, man. It's, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that you can take something that do like, like here's why, here's why. Because we know for a fact that there are creatures on our planet that don't die. Like yeah. you know, There's a list of these things. They're like jellyfish and all these things. And there's only reasons death happens. is because things start deteriorating. I'm starting to feel it right now. I have to afford these readers. Because your eyes start deteriorating. All of a sudden, you start seeing floaters and shit. Things just start wearing out. But well, what the if thing. there was like a ultimate oil change lubricant that you could put in? And it, this was the new synthetic version. And it made your engine go to 100,000 miles instead of 50. Why is that so yeah. outside the wrong possibility? I don't think that it is.
0: I mean, if, if you think about it, you know, we hear oh he, he she, whoever died of old age. Nobody dies of old age. You die of <laughs> where of <laughs> you you die of disease and, and breakdown and you know all these different things. Inflammation. You know, no-
2: yeah, absolutely. that's the number one thing. If you could have an elixir of life that only cured all systemic inflammation and made your body recognize cancer cells and eliminate them, that's all it would take.
0: How long could a person live? I mean,
2: until they got hit by a car or something, eaten by a lion, <laughs> Tra- like seriously, trauma would be the only thing that would fuck you up. Somebody stabs you, yeah, you know what I mean. Like you, 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 pro- you know, we, I do believe that there are people who are doing this right now. They're just they're you know they're not there's not many of them and they're like monks and shit. Yeah,
0: I don't believe that that you're far off with that uh, with that thought process. I don't think that you are at all. I mean, you know, maybe it was a vampire. I like to keep that in the realm of possibility. I want to think of this
2: guy as a contributor to society, though, because when you well, start yeah. reading all the stories about how he was trying to defuse the French Revolution, about how he went to England and tried to mediate a conflict over there. He went to Russia and tried to mediate a conflict over there. He was, he was cruising around trying to help humanity because he was like, look, I, I'm the oldest motherfucker here. Shut up and listen to me. <laughs> if you want to hear, let's even take this even further. Let's take this even further. I'll tell you one more crazy story. In 1776, what happened?
0: Revolutionary women. Pretty world. important year. Well, I right. mean, you know, what happened we declared in our Europe,
2: independence. In Europe, what happened, everybody likes to talk about also in that exact same year, was the year that Adam Weishaupt revitalized the Illuminati in Germany and called it the Bavarian Illuminati, which was yeah. an underground sect we can do another episode on or some future, whatever. But like th- that that comes from Savani Sabah and like the Eshmaili and the Hashashin. And like you can actually trace the entire history of the Illuminati. But that's neither here nor there. It's very. It's definitely known that he was in Germany during that time. It's also known in the same general time period during the Revolutionary War, when Jefferson and Washington were drafting various documents and coming up with the seal of the United States, there are numerous reports of a strange person circulating around these events that matches this description. And there's a very specific historical event or Washington, Jefferson, everybody, all the delegates are trying to come up with the, the great seal. And they're like, how do we, what do we include in the great seal? And there's two different stories. There's a story that this guy was in the room and he made all these suggestions and every one of the suggestions was followed, but none of the delegates knew what this, who this guy was. And then there's another story about Jefferson and Lincoln leaving and conferring with this guy in a garden nearby and then coming back in and be like, we know what we're going to do. Hmm. I think it's possible that that was the count also. Wow. Hmm. Now go research those individual historical reports, and you'll see that this questionable person that nobody knew who they was—that's a very well-documented instance. And uh, I mean, is this the hidden hand? I don't know. I also have heard rumor in my esoteric knowledge search that there are a specific number of these individuals at any given time who've been given the legacy of long life through alchemical knowledge supposedly there's 13 of them and they cruise time in history seeding things and pushing mankind in the direction of whatever it is they think they're trying to achieve now there's no way to know what that is but if they it's are these them. incredibly like they're they're basically all powerful because they got the best knowledge and they just kept it to themselves like whatever the egyptians figured out whatever the sumerians figured out why could why did they have star maps that we couldn't see with telescopes for, for 2000 years. Like there, there has been a secret component of knowledge. What's in the, like, what's the most important shit the Vatican knows? There has been a component of knowledge that has been absolutely kept from ninety nine point nine 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 percent of humanity, maybe down to just 13 people. And they make appearances throughout history. You start studying history. You start seeing these characters pop up. It's like all those videos of the guy at a cell phone. It's like you know, I'm not saying this is them, but like it's the same kind of version where you, you're like, are time travelers real? I don't know. Look at all these black and white videos of people who look like they're talking on cell phones.
0: I know that's crazy.
2: That or have all this mind. crazy tech,
0: you know. Or the hipster guy standing in the crowd, you know, in like 1940s or 50s or whatever with his uh, I mean full-on hipster outfit,
2: totally against just just like things that are not congruent with the average extremely incongruent you know yeah anyway i you know that that story is uh the 1776 thing the fact that he might have been with weishaupt in germany for that and at the same time it, you know helping form our country i mean those ideas are i don't know that's cool to me well absolutely, absolutely. I Dude, mean, definitely it's... had the, it's this guy definitely had the money to do it for sure
0: well, yeah. I mean, if he could uh, create his own diamonds out of diamond dust, he's got an infinite
2: wealth uh, at his, you know, disposal at no at any point time. in this guy's entire career is his wealth ever questioned. He lived in the royal palaces of all the aristocracy. He lived in their palaces. Yeah, he was obviously legit.
1: So, going back to what you were just talking about with the founding fathers trying to create yeah. the seal and all that. Um, If it's the same guy, uh, a man out of England named Horace Walpole wrote in a letter, 1745, that the Count of St. Germain had been arrested under suspicion of espionage, but released without charge. That's 1745.
2: yeah, that's the same guy. He, he he travels Europe constantly. Let me read you this list of where he goes. He travels constantly. He was definitely arrested in Europe, and it, that was a f- false charge. Supposedly, he was doing uh, he, he was accused of what espionage. Is that what he said, yes. He, they thought he was spying because he was going back and forth to France, and they weren't. They didn't have a good relationship with France at the time, and they're like, "Yo, you're a French spy." And he he was actually attempting to broker a peace deal for some fricassee that that Britain was in. And if I don't have the exact history here, but I read about this event, there's a reason that he was let go. You know, they're like, okay, well, obviously you're not a. If he was accused of treason, they definitely would have followed through with it if they had oh, evidence. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Especially yeah. in that time. It's back then. Are you kidding me? They put people yeah. in cages and shit. Like, okay, let me read this. Uh, his travels. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: Uh, but it was actually saying, this guy was actually saying, yes, the man spoke uh, Italian understood some what was it let me look at this uh spoke italian and french with the greatest facility though it was evident that neither was his language he understood hmm. polish and hmm. soon learned to understand english and talk it a little but spanish or portuguese portuguese seemed to be his natural language
2: whose report is this
1: the walpole that was Walpole. Same guy. I have this was-
2: story here somewhere. Here we go. Uh, let's see. Problem is there's two, there were two Saint Germains in this period, and one of them was getting in trouble with the law a lot. Um I'm trying to find the story from it. I don't have it marked here. If yeah. you have a guy. I mean, if that's the if that's the single story in his you know, trajectory that's like, hey, we arrested him on espionage. It's like, well, that kind of makes sense. But if, if there was, you know, it's not outside their own possibility that some guys tried to turn the screws in him, you know, totally. Well, yeah. And, 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 was, and if you're going to go around being the friends of all the top people, you're going to piss somebody off.
0: Absolutely. And if you're as yeah. charismatic as, and, as this guy is, if you're oh, yeah. as, then, you know, even if you do get arrested for this, this um, alleged espionage, you know this guy is. That was 1745,
2: right? Yes.
0: Okay, hold on. I, I I found the
2: I found the part. Keep talking. Keep, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you.
0: But no, 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 you're good. Um, what I'm saying is, you know, if if this is a guy that can take over and control any room that he walks into, I mean, even yeah. these people that are that are picking him up, arresting him, charging him with this or that,
2: I mean, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna get out of that. Well. Here's the thing, though, man. They cut off the King of France's fucking head. Well, that's you know? true. Don't forget that. Like, that's true. Like people that got true. whacked I'll, I'll give all that. the time when they were on the wrong side of, of you know, of yeah, history. I'll give you I'll give The you Vatican that. whacked a lot of people. <laughs> you know, oh, a lot yeah. of people were fucking. There were a lot of power upheavals. You study just the Medici. And we're talking about like, you know, people like, like assassins trying to stab them to death in church. You know? Yeah. Like there's a lot of power upheavals that happen. So, man, I really want to find the story. Forty-two. Here we go. Uh, da, 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 da. Thank you for your patience.
0: No, you're good, man. You are. Here we good. go. Uh,
2: here we go. Okay, last paragraph. Seventeen forty-six. Ah. Okay. The author of the Brussels Gazette tells us that the person who styles himself as the Count of St. Germain, who lately arrived here from Holland, was born in Italy in 1712. He speaks German and French as fluently as Italian and expresses himself pretty well in English. This sounds like it might be the same report. He has a smattering of all the arts and sciences, is a good chemist, a virtuoso in music, and a very agreeable companion. In 1746, which is actually 1745, according to Wadpole. He was on the point of being ruined in England. One who was jealous of him with a lady
1: uh.
2: slipped a letter into his pocket from a young pretender, thanking him for his services and desiring him to continue them, and immediately had him taken up by a messenger. His innocence being fully proven on this examination, he was discharged out of the custody of the messenger and asked to dinner by Lord H., <laughs> uh, who was Secretary of the Treasury and Treasurer of the Chamber to date. Uh, those who knew him well will be sorry to hear that he has incurred the Christian King's displeasure. So, not only did he get released to jail, he immediately goes to dinner with the most important guy in fucking town. This, like, is, the, this is the coolest guy, guy in history. Up.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: He so arrested it upon suspicion of espionage. And yeah, then they the snuck a the letter day... in his
2: pocket. Yeah, and then you're like, "Yo, I'm putting my diamond clothes back on, motherfucker." <laughs> and then he's going to dinner in his diamond clothes. I'm so cool. That's so cool, though. That's cool. I found that. Um, I want to. I don't know. You read one more thing. Uh that's about the wood let me see if i have so much more i don't know if you can see this but i i I took this super expensive rare book and i completely destroyed it with marginalia Uh, but i do man listen i don't have these books to not learn from them like uh let's see oh yeah there's so many there's also him curing people of weird illnesses Really? Being like, yo, you should stop doing that and do this, or like manipulate their body, or like do some Reiki type shit. It gets so deep. It gets so deep, man. Let's see. Like a shaman. Well, you know, what is a shaman? A shaman is a person who goes into the ether and brings back knowledge. That's true. That is true. Like, you don't think, like, supposedly the entire helix of DNA was thought up while on an acid trip. Yep. And Steve Jobs talks at length about most of his, you know, Advancement of apple being thought up on acid. You have to open the valve. All this Huxley used to say that the valve of the mind is a constricting valve. And when you take psychedelics, it just gets opened. And I realized this taking cannabis the other day. Um, cannabis is a, you know, have you ever heard somebody say. Uh, uh, what do people say? They want to get high. They want to get, what are the other words for? Stoned stoned. By yeah. What's the other one? there's one that refers to numbing and i was like that sounds so like uh i don't know it resonated with me but at the same time it obviously doesn't numb all your senses or people wouldn't do it like what would be the fun in that none of these things numb all your senses they amplify some of them at the same time and so what i realized that cannabis does it numbs your ego so that all of a sudden the stories you tell yourself about your life they get questioned and that's why you hear people go, Oh, I get paranoid when I smoke. Well, no, man, you're telling yourself a lot of stories that haven't been unraveled and you need to unravel them. You need to unpack those skeletons in your closet. You need to hey. learn to, to, you need to learn your shadow self.
1: <laughs> that guy right there.
2: You got to learn your shadow self. That's shadow self work, right?
1: Hey, I told you, I was like, the the one thing about it is I just, I take that for that feeling and to be in my own mind. Sometimes it like, I don't know how to explain to people, but my mind goes quiet. It's not like I'm hearing voices, but you uh, you know how they say the silence was deafening. It's the same thing. It's my own mind. It's constantly going like this. But when I take those and then it's time for bedtime and they're peaking and I lay down, it's I can pick and choose what I want to think or I can just go to sleep. It doesn't matter. But as, as crazy as people say it is, I do feel like I wish I would start writing them down because I do feel like some of my greatest ponderings are when I'm at my highest because I don't know. Maybe it's one of those deals where, you know, people need a quiet space to study so they can, you know, well when I'm high and I'm laying in bed, getting ready to go to bed to get up early in the morning. And the, the only thing I know I have to do is lay there and not move. I'm not worried about anything else. I'm not thinking about anything. Yeah, It's I'm- a
2: kind of freedom so that you're allowed to think the thoughts that your brain generally restricts you from thinking. And so yeah. you feel relaxed. You're like, I'm not being judged by my ego. So, so I can just think them and it's okay. And, and no one's going to care. Ultimately. Cause no one gives a shit anyway, no. you know, that kind of ties right, well. back
0: in that kind of ties back into the, the Rogan Peterson uh, episode that, that they just did talking about the sensory deprivation, um, you know, and how Peterson was talking about, you know, being in a sensory deprivation tank and how, you know, it just, it, it clears away all the external, uh, stimuli that forces you or, or forces distraction upon you, you know, and how it just, it's, it's you and your mind and your thoughts. And when you can find that place, no matter how that is, you know, no, no matter how or what you do to achieve that, to be able to find that place where it's you and your mind and, and you get rid of that ego and, and you, you, you go with intent, you go with, with just those different questions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of, that ties all in together and it's the same, it's the same concept there. That's you at your most, um, your most brain silence, body silence, external stimuli silence. It's you and your thoughts and your mind. And then the possibilities really are endless. You know, that's when we all become philosophers is when we get to that point where it's just us and our mind without the external junk.
1: I mean, Einstein took a job in a census office to do a menial task so that he could later Hmm. come up with a theory of relativity, which we have found to be flawed. Dude, I was just going to talk about this. We have found to be flawed, but... I mean, still, this guy—he's uh, one of the smartest people who ever lived. That's,
2: I mean, hands down. I
1: think he pushed myself, the ox
2: cart forward. He pushed yes. the ox cart forward, and that's all that matters. It doesn't matter. You don't have to get. It. There's no perfection. There's no end to that road. But there's two ways to engage it, and we're we're articulating it right now. And this relates exactly to why I create electronic music is because there's two ways to engage this stuff. You can try to sit or walk or whatever your meditation is, and clear the space or you can intentionally engage the body so that while the body is engaged just like him taking that job or trail running or exercise i would argue he should have gotten into <laughs> instead of you know, computing meaningless bullshit but if that guy had become you know imagine if he had combined and this is what Brad Miner talks about in his book constantly i've had terrible mic control man i'm sorry i apologize to the listeners oh, you're um, okay hey, you guys are good uh, Brad Miner talks about this constantly. You can't just be a warrior. That's not what a gentleman is. It's three things. It's a sacred trinity. It ties right back to everything we've been talking about all night. You have to be a warrior and a monk and a lover. Not just of the opposite or whatever you're attracted to, but of of humanity, of life. Right? You have to be a warrior for all that. You have to be a lover for all that. And you have to be a monk for all that. So. If you're going to create a space for psychological growth, the hardest way is to sit and meditate. I've been trying to do it for 20 years. Everyone, my, my Buddhist meditation teacher who's 78, Jack Cornfield, he still complains that he has a hard time sitting down to meditate. And he lived in a Buddhist ashram for seven years when he was in his 20s. Like, it never, ever, ever gets easier. But there are alternatives, and that's why walking meditation is valid. And like, sometimes your mind is in that place to digest something wacky and crazy. And sometimes it's not, and sometimes it's more disciplined than others. And discipline is a muscle that has to be grown. But what I was going to say was you can, you can also engage the body to keep it busy. Like Einstein was doing. And what I've, what I do is I put electronic music on. And at a certain point, here's the thing. You have to develop an ear for this kind of stuff. So that you're not actually, you are paying attention to it, but you're not. It's weird. It's there, but it's not there. And what it's doing is occupying your mind space. And the run is occupying your body space. Now, both of those spaces are occupied. And you can sit back with the soul of an observer and pay attention to the things that come in to answer any questions that you have. You know, this is how I get answers to the most important questions in my life and uh i recommend it to everybody even if you don't use i don't give a shit if you use my music go do something you know be active in your life and take this you know why do we study people like saint germain or pythagoras or anyone that we talk about because ultimately we're trying to become better people man we're trying to become better in this journey and and people sit down and listen to podcasts yeah sometimes it's just you look at the top 30 podcasts murder 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 (laughs) Murder for this, murder for that, fucking murder. Why? People are scared, and it's mostly women, and it's because they're afraid of being murdered. And so it makes perfect sense. But I would make the argument that you don't want to spend your day listening to those podcasts because you're creating a reality around you by doing that. And uh, I really believe this, man. And I'm not saying murder goes away when you stop listening to murder podcasts. I'm not returning. What I'm saying is, um, I do believe that you are regenerating every cell in your body and your entire emotional energetic resonance will determine how those cells are formed on a genetic level. I was talking about this on my podcast the other day. If you, we have epigenetics in our DNA that teach us to be afraid of things without having to be taught. You see a snake, everyone's automatically afraid of snakes. You don't have to teach people that they've done studies with puppies. You know, they've proven epigenetics. If there are negative epigenetics, then there are also positive epigenetics, where the best experiences, the most incredible feelings, the most amazing things that can happen to you can also be imprinted into your genetic code. So, your job in this life is to try to fill yourself with as many rapturous, positive experiences that you can, so that you can imprint a better genetic code. You can make a better experience for everyone. And that I'll- is my sermon. I love that.
3: <laughs>
2: I love that. I really do.
0: I mean I think it's important just you know and that's what what that's what me and Ryan talk about a lot just with uh, even some of the crazy things that we talk about you know some of the things that we discuss you know it's a lot of it's fringe and but that's just that's what we find interesting. That's what opens up our minds to the the possibilities that are that are possibly out there. But the thing is we want to give people a platform. We want to give people an opportunity to to share stories, to share life, to because that's what we're meant to do, man. We're meant to live life together, not isolated, not in these cages and boxes and and you know, away from each other or you know, even right here, even what we're doing right here. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, it's it, it's virtual. It's this and that. But we may as well be sitting right here together, you know, in my living room, you know, having this conversation because the body language is still there. I still see your eyes. I still see the way you're moving. I see how passionate you get when you were just giving your little sermon right there. You know, <laughs> these these things are important. Social interaction, social contact, these th- yeah, being able to come together as people. Giving each other the platform to to speak about what you're passionate about. I may not agree with you on everything. There's no, there's okay, probably though. not there's probably not a single person in this in in the world that's going to agree on every single mm-hmm. bullet point. But it's important that we come together and have these conversations. Have some of the difficult conversations. You know, whatever it may be about. But to be able to have these conversations and to respectfully engage and say, you know what, man, I don't agree with that, but I love you, and we're going to talk about it anyway. It's important for.
2: That, or that's how about how about this? How about sell it to me? I'll I'll jump off any of my ideas. You can really sell it to me. I'll, yeah. I'll quit any ideas I have. Sell it to yeah. me, baby. Yes, prove me wrong. Prove yourself right. But do it cool. Do it cool and graceful in a way that makes me feel not bad. And I'm, I've am yes. i been really poor at this over the scope of my life. You know, I think we all are until we really choose to polish it. And that's what this really is about. Is like, how do we want to really sell the world to others? Is it yeah. by dominating them?
3: No. No.
0: But it all takes work. It all takes work. Yeah. It all takes. You have to be able to look at these things and to find your weaknesses and to see what you need to work on to be able to do these things, to, to show that grace, to show that compassion, to show that love. Ultimately it all takes work, man. It, uh, and a lot of it in a lot of cases, you know, psychological gym. That's it. Yeah. That's it.
2: But God. it's it's it's, wor- it's a worthy pursuit, though. That's the most important part, is that it is a worthy pursuit. And if you really examine this life, the reason so many people are coming to this conclusion and the reason that so many people feel inspired to contribute to this conclusion is because it might be the most worthy experience a human can undertake. And b- why? Not because it's like a selfish thing where I'm going to make my brain big and like detached from others, but because it does that the construction that I mentioned earlier. Knowledge, an accumulation of knowledge becomes wisdom, an accumulation of wisdom becomes compassion, and an accumulation of compassion becomes love. Yeah.
3: yeah. So don't powerful. feel bad
2: becoming intelligent or wise or seeking knowledge or being inquisitive or asking questions. That is the path to love.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. Man, that's powerful that is powerful stuff. guys.
2: This was so much fun, man. Like I'm really grateful that you have me on. I hope I wasn't too wacky. I'm super grateful to your listeners. And I tell you what, I can tell that your show is going to do well because you guys have the right kind of like, it's obvious that you're not just passionate. You're doing it for a reason and it's the right reason. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I
0: I really, really do. Um, And again, thank you for coming on here. I mean, you know, I'm I'm glad that, that our listeners get a little taste of 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 a, of a different face. They don't have to hear from me and Ryan. <laughs> yeah. you know, going back and forth <laughs> with, with all the banter and the I mean it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But we are extremely grateful. Uh you've got an open door here anytime you want to come on, any Thanks. topic you want to talk about. It's uh, an open door.
1: Yeah. Message us and be like, hey, we need to do this on this time. Like, gotcha.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's do let's give it, let's give a teaser then, because you and I talked about two other topics that did what did any of that shit like blow your mind that we you know we had a pretty uh, we almost talked for like an hour on the phone, I think. We did,
0: we did. That's what I was telling Ryan. I was like, dude, look, yeah. here's the thing. I said it I, was I 54, I,
1: minutes. 54 <laughs> minutes. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I said, I talked to this dude, and I said, And Ryan, I'm telling you, I said, he's just one of those guys. And <laughs> you know, I, I read people, like, I'm really good at reading people. I said, he's one of these guys, man. I said, you know, I, I think the kids nowadays just call it wholesome. I mean, he's just, you know, it's not me.
2: though, man. I have so many internal struggles that I just, I'm presenting the best self. But we, I'm just trying to present do. my best self, man. I'm in the middle of like a terrifying divorce right now. Like, I'm, uh, but here's the thing I, I'm not trying to be, I'm not, I'm, I no longer believe in hiding any components of yourself. And I think that's the, the that's what social media has taught us to do. And I think that is the wrong thing to do. I think we're supposed to bear a heart on our sleeve. We're supposed to suffer with dignity. And we're supposed to be a whole person, which is the damaged part, the shadow part, too, in front of others. Because demonstrating that to others makes them feel okay with being a disaster as well. And we're all disasters.
0: We are. We are all Sorry to disasters. interject like that,
2: man, but like...
0: I'm not so no, dude. I mean, that's, that's, that's what this show is for. We can talk about whatever topic in the world, but that's what this show is about. It's about people coming together. Just like I said before, just a minute ago to live life together and life sucks. It's miserable. It's a struggle. It's a battle. Every single day. It's a battle. Every single day you have to wake up with that.
2: Oh, all right, let's go get it. I mean, <laughs> damn, damn it. <laughs> but when you when everybody realizes that that's how everybody wakes up, then they don't go do am I the only one who wakes up feeling like this is like exactly it's, just, it's a it's not just a struggle. It seems like it gets harder every day. And the answer is yes, everyone does. And that's yeah. OK. And it's OK. And you it. think
1: the social media outlets that we have in place now are bad? if this metaverse thing takes over,
0: <laughs> that's a it, whole different episode, brother. Oh, America, crap.
1: America, as you know, these generations coming up and we've done, I say it all the time. We've done such a bang up job of raising them. <laughs> 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 that, uh, you uh. know, but I will say this also, uh, I noticed a lot in my kids since they were young till now. And they are better than I can remember me and my friends ever be like, Oh my
2: God. Yeah.
1: Like I'll talk I will raised to my, in the woods. Yeah. and That's the way I, um, I grew up. I don't know if you know what a holler is. <laughs> it's a, it's Oh a yeah. Graph, yeah. Okay. I grew up way up in the head of a holler, me and my cousins. And it was sun up to sundown. We were in the woods. That's all we did. However, we got into some shit. You know, my kids up here, <laughs> I, you know, I, of course I discipline my children. Taking those phones is like shooting them, but really and truly, anymore, I don't. I don't have to. They're just good as people. Their mom's done a great job. That's what I'm trying to say. But as far as just their generation, some of it's getting out of hand. But this metaverse, oh, it's, been, thing, it's way out of hand, man. This metaverse thing, I mean. These people are going to have the personalities of dead moths. It's it's and it's going to be like interacting with a wall basically because how are those I think it's yourself?
2: just something we're going to go through. Do you think this is just going to be like a kind of chrysalis that the human condition goes through and then like I I honestly think what'll happen I is hope it so. destroys 80% of the population and then something like a maybe even a solar flare or something all of a sudden there's no electricity or there's well, no technology anymore or maybe just it all fries itself or those people just all die off
1: the other the other way i was going to go with this was we were talking earlier throughout human history human sacrifice you know some sort of sacrifice um it's kind of funny that something like this would come out in the middle of a pandemic when people are having to stay home and do all this and then Hey, I can just log in. I can be whoever I want to be. That's how people will know me. Why do I need to go out and be a productive member of society? Also, isn't it funny (laughs) in your pandemic how your energy prices, prices of vehicle, prices of fuel for your car are all skyrocketing. And when the price of energy goes up, who goes down. It's not, it's not middle-class. It's not upper-class. It's poor families that are barely heating their houses anyway. It is a, when these people go, it is a form of human sacrifice. I don't know if anybody remembers it not. I remember it clears a bell. Cause I remember thinking, what the fuck did he just say? Obama was given a speech who is one of the greatest speakers in our history. Got to give the man that he's a hypnotist, yeah. But he was talking about the overpopulation of Earth, we've had less natural disasters and mass shootings and things like this. And I'm like, Did anybody just listen to what he said? Like, this is why this is happening because there's an overpopulation of Earth, and and behind the scene from Trayvon Martin and that going on, he opened. Free trade with Cuba, by the way, Thoroughbill nations. So your prescriptions you were relying on were coming from Indonesia somewhere, made in a little hut, you know. I try to stay... I question... You can ask Justin. I, I question everything. It's... Um, I need to know facts. And don't come at me with you're crazy. <laughs> I need to know facts, man. That's...
3: <laughs> like I, Dude, that's, I try...
1: Justin that's hits him. me with the crazy all the time.
0: <laughs> but that's my job. My yeah. job, my sole job in this relationship that we have going here is to hit you with as much crazy as possible to, to open like all that face. up. You gotta open all that up, man. But no, you're right. We need to question everything. Why not? Why shouldn't we question everything? We should see the cold hard facts in everything and, and know and realize what's going on around us, not what your television says or what's yeah. popping up on your phone or oh, what so, so says your your mom, dad, grandparents, aunts. I mean, it's not about all that. Open your eyes, look around, see for yourself what's going on. I mean, that's, yeah. You know, we can't How fucking tend. crazy. Is
2: it that we have to tell people that? it's insane it is insane it's not a coincidence though it's not insane it's happened on purpose it's because planned. from the cradle yeah. from the cradle you're put in cages you're you know i mean like this isn't a mistake but like listen i if you study uh i was talking to nick about this the other day Nick Hinton. if you study the mongol empire that's the exact same kind of mentality as what's happening now they're just not using horses and swords yeah. They don't have to yeah. And if you can put yourself in your own mental prison through guilt, how brilliant. Hey, stay. don't you want to save other people's lives? I mean, we're in our own guilt prison now. But like, this yep. is the thing talking, talking with each other like this, that's what breaks us out. And honestly, unfortunately, it does put us in danger. And I, oh, I yeah. don't like talking about this a lot, but I've had friends in this industry and everything. Weird things have happened to them. And it's, it's, it's a, this is a war. Guess what? It's going to be casualties on both sides. Yep. And I don't, I don't want any casualties, but I didn't want war either. No, you know, And, and mean, we're going to have to do what we have to do. Like, look at what's happening in Canada right now. Is that trucker convoy still heading to Alberta? I think they're,
0: they, I think they made it.
2: What happened know, when
0: that played out? I didn't get, to I know it. they made it. I know they made it to Ottawa. Um, Trudeau well he was exposed Did they like
2: evacuate him or something
0: he he fled he fled the country went to a uh you fled the country yeah listen this undis- is
2: world history unfolding it right in front of us man yeah absolutely that's hysterical i'm in charge he's of this a- country i'm out of here yeah And he's then at he,
0: ron
1: reynolds house in hollywood
2: he just wow. happened
1: <laughs> god i'd love
2: to be at ryan reynolds house i bet that's a good time god, he's <laughs> actually friends with one of my friends but oh Shout out to John, shout out to Johnny Love, production designer. Uh, but no,
0: dude, yeah, he fled the country, uh, pretending he's pretending like he has COVID right now, so he has to isolate and quarantine and all this stuff. Yeah, but
2: hold on, hold on, man. You know what the problem is with all this? Nobody spanks these kids, and I don't believe in corporal punishment. But what I mean is, like, no one's gonna call him out for leaving his own country.
1: Nope.
2: No. Nobody. You
0: know. Nope. Nobody with. Uh, There's no police. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well,
1: the police that would be in power are the ones who happen to agree with his agenda as well. So,
2: well, they may he made the rules with them, you know, and so they're like they made the rules together. And it's like when I was a little boy, I used to do this shit to my brother constantly because I was a terrible older. Brother. I wasn't always terrible, but be like, OK, here's the game. I made the rules. And they're set up so that you're fucked. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> now go. I'm just gonna throw rocks at you or something. Like uh, good luck, you know. Like, uh, that's what's happening on a grand scale on the planet. <laughs> you know, it's so fucking pathetic. But uh man, I could go on forever with you guys. I, I don't Dude, know I how much uh,
0: I could see. We'll wrap this
2: up. I'm having fun, man. Ultimately, you know what though these things are about, they're not trying to force. This is what I've learned about podcasting in the last 20 years. I, your ego is the thing that's trying to force something to come up and be right here. And what a podcast as true entertainment is supposed to be is an uncovering of knowledge, which we've already tied to the heart. Um, as long as we keep doing those things, there's people working in their yard, there's people cutting wood people doing what I do every day up here in the mountains, you know, and all day long I have my headphones in. And I just want to connect with another human being and, and maybe get some cool facts and learn some new shit about this existence or maybe have some new ideas to think about. Um, but But even when we're just bullshitting and saying silly things, I'm still chopping wood. So I don't give a shit. And that's why long form podcasting has become such an amazing thing is because all these media outlets that were like, now we need to cut out all that content. We cut the fat, trim the fat, get just the good shit. Well, that's what, that's how we turned into social media. We need to come back to a point in our life where we appreciate the fat again. We appreciate the gristle. You don't necessarily have to eat the gristle. I don't mind if you pop ahead 15 seconds, see what's going down. But like, eventually you will come to a point where you realize that gristle is making gristle in your body too, psychologically speaking. And so like, just honor all of it anyway i keep yeah. doing this i'm sorry <laughs> no man that was that was we're great
1: we're <laughs> the same way man. It, it, it'll happen
2: <laughs> no i'm that saying i'm saying that I'm, I'm i'm excited that you guys are uh are, are, are entering this journey because i think you're the right you know you, you definitely have the right temperament for it and uh you pick amazing guests no. Oh, That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly right. That is exactly right. Zang, zing a roo. No, Truest funny. thing but, you've said but... this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll try to get uh I might might be able to get Nick Hinton to come your way and uh some other people if you want to chat Absolutely, with him. Absolutely, man. Yeah, do that. I would love to talk to, with Nick. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. He's he's in a weird spot. We're all in weird spots right now. So it'll be a piece of art like mine, but he's fun. He's fun to talk to. He's much more positive than me. So and and I love pink, art. Nicer. <laughs> no, that's great. Dude, I love you guys. Thank you for having me on, man. Do you uh, man, have a name for your man. audience yet? You know how, like, Sam calls his audience. To Dude, I've been, know I what you're
0: swear doing. I've been trying to, I've, I've been racking my brain trying to think. I mean, I would love to tie it into just our culture, you know, because Appalachian culture is unlike any other culture really in the world. Um, yeah. So I would love to tie it in, you know, just. So when I open up every single episode with folks, you know, which I know folks is used all, you know, it's used everywhere, but I don't know. We got to think of that, Ryan. We got to think about what to call our, our, our
2: audience. My mind's I have ready, another ready? question for you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm constantly stepping on people, man. It's something I'm, I'm <laughs> terrible about. I really am. I really am. Uh, I'm curious about. I did want to ask you this question. Uh, Nick Hinton actually asked me about this today. He goes, "You're going on Appalachian Intelligence." He goes, "That's AI." He goes, "What? Like, what does that mean?" And I go, uh, "I don't know. I'll ask him." Dude, like, did honestly, you intentionally choose AI?
0: That's exactly yes. what we did. We wanted to be a play on words. Number one, okay.
1: No. We wanted- nobody associates intelligence with Appalachia or our accents. Like anybody you ever see on TV that has this accent should should not talk to anybody, much <laughs> less be on TV. And that's on the news media. In the don't even get me started on Hollywood. It you Listen bro, I spent bothering. 8
2: months living with the Robertsons working on Duck Dynasty. Okay? You're you're preaching the choir. That's like, awesome. But at, but at the same time those guys were beautiful people. They're just products of their environment. Yeah. You know, they, they went out of control and said some crazy shit they shouldn't have at certain point. mostly Phil. But Phil's been a, you know, I can't actually talk about much of this because of NDAs I've signed. But what I do want to say is that I think the Robertsons are awesome people, man. They reminded me from my family in the South of Texas. Yeah. And, uh, but the AI thing, like t- tell me about that though. We talked Fine. about it. What do you mean? Like, what about the artificial intelligence part? Like the robot part, like the part that ties into Nick, Nick, for example, is obsessed with the idea that this is all a construction of some grand intelligence. That's actually, uh, in, you know, inside a cube. I'm not going to speak for him, but I'm t- I am giving him a rib right now. But, we actually like... did our, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Play him up. No, we, uh, we decided to do it, you know, t- for, I mean, f- to give the listeners, I mean, they could take it however they wanted to take it. You know, they could take that, you know, Appalachian intelligence part and be like, God, it's Appalachian. Intelligence. That's a
2: play on words. These guys are idiots. You know, they're they're retarded. Uh, <laughs> oh! <laughs> Can I tell you something funny, man? I've been lecturing on this guy for a minute and I've actually had people contact me and I'm kind of scared to reply. And they're like, I know who the current St. Germain is or I am I know the current St. Germain. You're going to start getting weird from emails, man. Not just because of this podcast. I mean, as you guys go on this journey and you explore more topics and you get more guests and like you start doing this shit, bro, you're 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 essentially—I don't even know how to describe it yet, how to articulate what. Having to speak in front of other people is important because when you become a teacher, you take intelligence that you've learned and you take it to another level, and I think that's really important. Um, and that it's obvious that that's what you guys are trying to do and it's just a weird journey it's weird
1: our main goal when we first started this was we differ on a lot of subjects we look at a lot of things differently and yet we don't shun each other or hate each other because we have different opinions we're able to have this conversation so we were like you know we need to go out. We both wanted to. I've always wanted to do a YouTube page. Didn't know what kind of content I want to do. He's been wanting to do a podcast. So. When it we got together, like, let's do the podcast and I'll record the video. I'll throw it on YouTube. You edit the podcast.
2: Now, I don't I bring edit- you guys together on anything on this show.
1: What's that? on This one.
2: Yeah, like, was there anything that you guys talked about previously, or like, did you guys have any preconceived ideas about Saint Germain that maybe I brought you guys together on?
1: Well, it's you know the hundreds of years old is, eh, I don't know. It's I, I'm not gonna say it didn't happen. I can't prove that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm only 39 years old, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but a wee. Well, fan. we can at
2: least we can at least all agree that this person existed. Yes. he's not fake he's not Absolutely. fake. But yeah. I mean, we have, and um, and that he was extraordinary because yes. we have all of his art yes yeah right we can at least agree on that i that think this guy agree. was freaking so crazy unique that he's like one of the exemplary human beings that maybe has ever existed yeah. I mean, it doesn't even he doesn't even have to live forever i don't know anybody who's pulled off the things that this guy you know his none of the none of the things that we're debating he did you know
0: no. I mean, we're definitely together on that one. This is one of the most interesting men that Extraordinary. Has, has ever uh graced this earth.
2: I mean it's yeah, just- dude, the guy was. And then like it's a couple hundred years ago. So we're like, well, how much is this like telephone game? But that's fine, but it doesn't matter. These things enter the collective unconscious. They become archetypes. We should study them because we do have to have a goal to focus on. Otherwise we're just a ship in the dark, in the night, in the sea. We have to be, we have to have a course. And, and these guys give us so much inspiration. I don't know about you guys, man. I obviously get fired up by these kooks because <laughs> I I just get like a boner for the idea that like the world is our oyster. And like, what if it is possible to become a philosopher king? Like, why wouldn't you? Why is that a delusion of grandeur? Why isn't that a dream of every child? Yeah, you know, it should well, be. It should be. It's not. Unachievable I mean
1: look, What would we have called Hawking Had we lived in that time What would we have called Einstein Had we lived in that What would Elon Musk And all these uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson My favorite astrophysicist I love that guy But What would we be calling them It Philosophy I, We'll have They're to go 200 years from
2: now To know I think Yeah Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. 200 <laughs> years from now We'll probably look back Some of these Because we'll be in the books Oh yeah Alex Jones will be in some book <laughs> <laughs> he will. He'll definitely be in a book.
1: Well, how Tyson took anyway. down Pluto. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: right. All right, well, guys. Well, hey, man, I love you guys. This was awesome, and uh thank you very much for having me. This is great. Thank
0: Absolutely, we will definitely do it again. uh We'll be in contact, man. Like I said, open door policy. We love you. We love everything you stand for. Thanks for coming on, and we'll definitely do this again. Um,
2: Yes. Shout out my website real quick absolutely oh, yeah. plug
0: plug whatever you want to plug
2: i don't do a lot of these like okay unfortunately there's copies of me on social media i can't delete these things so please don't subscribe to them please don't follow them i i think they still may be posting on my behalf i don't know but i'm not on any social media other than my website MaverickMatthews.com. um and uh yeah there's t-shirts you can buy there that say biologically sovereign there's music you can buy there that's 50 cents for you know 20 minutes of electronica i'm trying to make a contribution i have a son and so i really appreciate any love y'all can throw me but honestly you don't have to send me a dime the the biggest contribution you can make is with your attention and i'm super grateful for that so thank you
1: all right man great
0: man that's great you guys go check this go check this guy out go check out his work go check out what he does because i'm telling you it is a wonderful trip it's a trip for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. This is great.
1: Hi, love man. you, man. Thank you for coming on again, man. It's great meeting you. Uh, look forward to the next one.
2: And meat space. We're gonna do it in human version, man. We're gonna get together yeah, in meat space. Absolutely. You know, yes. Absolutely. I hate to I hate to linger in this and stretch it out, but like that is the ultimate goal. This Zoom Zoom things are fun, but like we have to build a tribe again, you know. Yeah, and we know oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys, until next time.